For someone who travels weekly, hotels, they get boring pretty quick. They're lonely, crowded, you know, just, I want to find something more fun. So on tour, we started seeing a lot in Airbnbs. Uh, you know, I did my special taping in Phoenix uh, in 2021, and we had a Airbnb then, and it was just so much fun. I mean, it's honestly a lot cheaper, too, is what's crazy. Um uh, just so much more space. They have full homes. I mean, it's, you can, you know, easy to cook stuff, easy to, you just feel like you're at home. Uh, did you know you could also be my next Airbnb host? And uh, I mean, in fact, my tour manager, Travis, recently started hosting his place on Airbnb. Uh, he says it's a great way to make extra money while we are on the road this summer, uh, since his home would be just sitting empty. It's a great idea to host while you're away if you have some upcoming travel plans this summer. Uh, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up, everybody? This is Nate Bargetzi. We're here at the Nate Land Podcast once again. This show's still happening, still going on. I'm sitting with the young Aaron Weber and the wise Brian Bates. <laughs> the wiser. The wisest of wisest. Uh, you guys have been awesome as always. We love you all. You've been very nice. Uh, still, you, we're all, we're keeping it rolling. You're making it seem, you know, it's like, it was a good choice to start this podcast. This is how I started my comedy career. When you try to decide, are you, you know, you always get asked, are you, how did you know that you're supposed to do it? And I, I got like CMT comedy stage very early, five years in or something like five years in, I had a TV credit. So it was like, oh, all right, I'm choosing, all right, I'm clearly supposed to be doing this thing. And I feel like this podcast is like that where it's like, we're what, eight episodes in. And, you know, we're getting a lot of people watching a lot of the nice comments, like think- people enjoy it. This is 10, I think, right? 10 episodes in. Yeah. We're 10 episodes in. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a good thing because then we get, get all these people listening. And, you know, if we wrote out, if we never grown past what we have now, we did it. <laughs> we did it. And we don't want anybody else. So if you're new to this, get out of here. We already got our people. <laughs> uh, all right. As usual, we're going to start with the comments that uh, I'd like to read through all you guys' comments. Uh, and as usual, if you don't like this, fast forward it. Uh, or I think some people only read the comments, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. My wife's more of a fan of the comments than the whole show. It's a fun part of the podcast, dude. I enjoy doing it every week. I enjoy doing it too. And then, uh, so yeah, it's good. And, uh, my wife's never listened past the comments. So, and she's a producer on the podcast. <laughs> we just gave her something. She doesn't even know what it is. I don't either, but we're figuring it out. Uh, all right, first comment, more J881. All I can say is thank you. My wife and I are police officers in Kansas City, and in today's climate, it is very difficult to unplug from the news and find something unbiased and generally funny. This is a great way for us to disconnect from reality and just laugh for a while. We were looking, we really look forward to every Wednesday. Thank you. And that's it. That'd almost be the bio of the show. <laughs> Honestly, I might put that as the bio of the show. It's that's what you want it to be. That's yeah. what this is about. That's awesome. It's uh, you, if you're here for you thinking you got to make you you know, I don't. There's enough, right? 
and go listen to those. That's go go if you want to want to get riled up, <laughs> go get riled up. Sometimes you got to get riled up. That's good. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, because the police officer, I mean, it's got to be in pure insanity. Uh, and you know, just wants to go home. It's like watching old Seinfeld episodes. Yeah, it's very nice. I think we are the old Seinfeld episode of podcast. Yep. Uh, it's what a comment. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> no, actually, they say it's the opposite. Uh, Peter Bridge, when Bruce told the story about the woman, I like how it's now just, I mean, it's not even. I can't even find one that calls me by my real name. <laughs> yeah. I looked. And it's what's well, so, it's just how quickly it goes in. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like where it's an obvious, we're making fun of a joke. When Bruce told the story about the woman labeling, I mean, it's just like not a, like a breeze. Yeah. When Bruce told the story about the woman labeling him as worried, it quite literally made me pee. Those chicks just totally nailed it. <laughs> he still gives off the worried vibe. No offense, Bryce. Uh, yeah. Worried is, I mean, that's unbelievable. That'd be the name of your album. Worried. It's the name of my life. Yeah. You really should. Your next album should be Worried. My next album. It's just you being, you be, well, you have to do one now. The people are going to want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody go buy his first album. It's still out there. <laughs> and, uh, but Worried is a great name for it. I thought about that yeah. story all week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks, guys. Worried. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Fruit and eight, one zero zero seven. Sounds like, I mean, some of these are like, uh, like you're in jail. Like it's a prison, <laughs> you know. First date one zero zero seven to the stand. Did you? This podcast could go up for five hundred episodes, and each one would have a moment where Nate references a Seinfeld episode. I would actually love to see an episode of Nate Land devoted to the topic of Seinfeld. Yes, that's we we do want to do that for sure, and we should have almost done it last time. And that's when John came in. Uh, he's an enormous Seinfeld fan, and so we wanted to have him. And he's twenty two and a big Seinfeld fan. And is obsessed with it as we are, knows everything. And so we should have done a Seinfeld episode. We were, you know, it gets worried that you don't think who's going to want to listen to a a, a two hour, an hour and a half Seinfeld episode. Like, uh, we do. We like it. (laughs) But if someone doesn't like Seinfeld, they're out, you know? Uh, So we will do a Seinfeld episode. Maybe we'll do it as just an extra one. And that way, people that want it can have it. and, And then the other people are not forced into. Uh, or might make those people listen to it. Just force them down. Uh, nonlinear carp. <laughs> Here I am counting Seinfeld references. Then they proceed to talk about Seinfeld for 30 minutes. Best episode yet. Gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. He gets it. Uh, Ace here. Bilbo's PBS <laughs> pick is underrated. <laughs> That's a pretty good choice for one channel. Thank you. Bilbo. I don't, I don't know if I should thank them or be insulted. That Bilbo's a, I mean, that's a crazy name. He's like, Aaron pointed out someone called me breakfast. Breakfast is unbelievable. <laughs> breakfast is as good as worried. I mean, oh, man, so someone good. called, and this, I don't think it's on here, but yeah. it was in the comments. I mean, breakfast is unreal. Dude. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a that's the best one I've heard. <laughs> Just to call him, I don't know, is breakfast coming up? <laughs> it's got the same amount of syllables as Brian. It's got the BR. Yeah. It's perfect. And it's so ridiculous. Man. Yeah. Breakfast is good. <laughs> For uh Frenaham, Nanium, Fran Hanium. Seriously, how did Arrested Development not get mentioned? There's so many great episodes and storylines. I agree. 
Yeah. I, even though I was more of the first run of the Arrested Development, I didn't really give it much of a chance on that second run. I was also late to it. Uh, I was very late to Arrested Development, and then I watched it later and loved it. And then, but I haven't really given the Netflix stuff a chance. Uh, yeah, we should. You know, we learned like last week the television episode. It was just kind of, uh, you know, sometimes when we're choosing this stuff, it it can get very broad, and uh, it can be too broad, which is not good. And so sometimes when, like last week, it felt like we were reading a lot. I was reading, you know, a lot of information, which is all stuff that's kind of interesting. But it's like, you know, we're trying to figure out the the rhythm of this, and the the. You know, and we're going to slowly keep getting better and better at it. Yeah. But last week, it did feel we should have just done TV episodes. And we're, so we will. We'll make it up, make people watch it again. Uh, but Arrested <laughs> Development is great. It's great. It's an amazing show. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable show. Tanya, Tanya <laughs> Kovarik, I waited for an hour and 50 minutes for someone to mention Game of Thrones, and y'all just passed on it like it was nothing. Sigh. You should try it again. Best show, hands down. Uh, has any of us watched Game of Thrones? I've never seen it. Oh yeah, I'm a. I was a oh, huge. Fan. Yeah, oh yeah, you got in late though, right? I started late, but I caught up, and and yeah. that last season, I was in. Uh, Tell everybody what happened. Uh, I was in Amsterdam when one of the big final episodes happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I found a way to watch it there. Yes, yeah. they don't allow Game of Thrones. Well, there was like they didn't. The I hotel mean, you're at did not have free HBO. It did not. Really? In Amsterdam? No. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a great show. How'd you watch it? Um, I had to go through, like, even online, it somehow was blocking it, but I forgot how. Somehow I found a way to watch it on my laptop. Is the show worth watching now, even as disappointed as people are with that last season? I think so. Okay. Maybe I'll go watch it one day. I know nothing about it. Yeah, we haven't watched it. Uh, I watched the first, I'm not a fantasy guy. I'm not sci-fi. I'm not fantasy. You know, uh, I mean, like Star Wars, like, but I'm not, I was never obsessed with Star Wars. I'm not, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not even a big superhero. Uh, I like them. I'll go to all of them, but I'm just, it's not my thing. And I try to watch Game of Thrones. I watched that first season. I just don't care. Like, I got done with it. I mean, I need to give it another goal. Uh, the other one, The Wire. Not a, not never a big gigantic never seen fan it. of that. Yeah, I think you mentioned that last week. Oh, oh all right. Uh, <laughs> already in reruns. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't even listen to last week's episode, guys. It wasn't that good. We checked out. <laughs> Jessica Van Depute. Van Depute. When Aaron talks about how it's frustrating when you have a show you really like and just don't know anyone else that watches it, that's me and this podcast. <laughs> you guys are really crushing it, though, and I love every second of it. Thank you, Jessica. That is very. She's like, you watch Nate Land. They're like, what? are you talking about when they mention yeah i mean natelin's gotta it's gotta be like what do you watch what yeah do we what what's something i can't think of something that i've heard about or i've watched that no one else i watched episodes is that what it's called the ricky gervais show no i did watch episode that was great ricky gervais had that that was a great uh great show that was that, extras, right? Extras. Oh, extras. My Episodes is the Showtime with uh, Matt LeBlanc. Oh, yeah. And I've watched all of those, and it's great. You know the show? Great Rob Schneider's show. Uh, Rob Schneider's show on uh, Netflix. It's about him. It's his wife. Jamie Lissile's in it. I've never even heard York. of it. It's good? Yeah, it's good. It's it, his real wife? It's his real wife. Yeah. And uh, I forget what it's called. I like. 
but it's it's great. And I think the new season came out. It was a, it was one that I was like, oh, let me see this. And you know, I've I've kind of interacted with Rob. I don't really know him, uh, but I was like, yeah, let me check this out. And then I like just kind of went through it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very you know episodes is uh, like that with Matt LeBlanc. That was a big show, but I loved episodes, you know. And then uh, yeah, Ricky Gervais's extra is awesome. The end of extras is great. It's got a very, very sweet, sweet moment to it. Yeah. One of my favorite sweet moments. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really remember it, but I just remember it being one of my favorite. <laughs> Trent Stewart, growing up in a pastor's home, we had some interesting things happen. Once during service, a lady asked my dad and the entire church to pray for Marlena because she is in the hospital in a coma. We were worried sick. Come to find out it was Marlena on days of our lives. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's got to be... I mean, just 80s probably, right? Days of our lives? Well, just where someone would ask that. Oh, yeah, maybe. Like, I don't think it's going to happen now. Yeah. But it's when, like, life was a little more innocent. And so, like, even in a smaller town, it's 80s, but in a smaller town, it might as well be the 50s. Like, they're just very, like, sweet old ladies that are... So is she implying that the woman thought Marlena was a real person? I just... they, They told her to pray for it. It's a TV girl. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure she did. Okay. You know, but... Or something. She was just still worried. Like, I, you know, we were worried. Yeah. Chris Evans. Oh, it's the Chris Evans. Probably. Uh, isn't that a famous guy? Chris Evans? It is. Captain America. Yeah, Captain America. Uh, so this is from Captain America. Embarrassing as a kid, I used to think that the audience laugh track in sitcoms was the laughter of other people at home <laughs> watching at the same time. That's awesome. <laughs> we had one of those giant late early... Giant late 80s, early 90s entertainment centers in our living room, four foot tall speakers. And I would sit next up next to one of the speakers and laugh as loud as I could. Anytime the laugh track played, just hoping that the other people watching would hear my laugh <laughs> over everyone else's. I regrettably believed that until I was probably around 10 years old and I had friends over and tried to get them to yell stuff in the speakers, thinking other kids at home would talk back. My friends finally broke the news to me. That I'm stupid. <laughs> Love the show. I look forward to every Wednesday now knowing I get to hear Nate ragging on Bryson, worried Bates, any chance he gets. That's an unbelievable story. <laughs> that is so funny, dude. That's great. Oh, man. <laughs> so did he think shows without laugh tracks, just nobody was watching them? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, getting them to talk, I mean, and to go, how much you got to build up to get brave enough to go, I'm going to tell my friends to yell into the speaker. Like, you know, the conflict, because at first you're like, is that true? You probably second guess it, then you assume it. And then you do have to cross a line that you're willing to bring people into your insane question. And I guess his parents just hadn't broke the news to him. I was going to say, his I mean, family knew this was happening and yeah. they let it go on. Oh, I hope they did. I hope they did. That's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Uh, Robert, fun fact about the marine biologist ending. The episode was supposed to end on George walking to the ocean to help the beach well, but the live audience didn't give it much of a reception. So Larry David wrote George's final. The sea was angry that day, my friends. Monologue with him pulling the golf ball out of the blowhole on the spot. Jason Alexander memorized it in 10 minutes. They filmed it and got the biggest laugh in series history. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's Uh, a great scene. Such a gigantic scene. And for it to be... uh, yeah, just to be like last minute. I feel like that's how stuff works, man. You know, the longest, I always said the longest laugh recorded, uh, I always heard ever on TV was Jack Benny. And 
uh, he would he was known for comedian known for being very cheap. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and uh, he was on like Tonight Show or Ed Sullivan Show whenever he was doing it. And uh, he did. He said, uh, your money or your life. And he just looked at the camera. Like he said, a guy went to rob him and said, money or your life. And the whole country knows like, well, he's so cheap. Yeah. And that was like, it was like a maybe a full minute or something. We'll wow, have to look yeah. it up. Where it was the live eye just lost their mind. Didn't even say anything. Just a look to the just camera. Just a look. Yeah. Because, I mean, everybody, that's, a, that's you know. They got it. Yeah, they got it. Zach is nobody. I just saw that West Wing is reuniting for some kind of special. Aaron is about to have a wreck any <laughs> moment now. Are you going to watch the new? Are you going to watch the special? Would you watch it in the car? Or are you going to sit If I have a road trip coming up, I'll have to, I guess. Yeah. That's dangerous, Aaron. You won't. Uh, I know, but say you're at home. Do you go sit in the car and watch it, even if you don't drive somewhere? I used to do that with music. If I got an, an album came out, yeah, my favorite place to listen to music is in the car. Yeah, so I would go out in my driveway and sit in the car. I've never done that with shows though. At, that seems kind of like crazy. when you lived at home with your parents or now. Always, Just, always, yeah. yeah. But especially, I've, I've never then. listened to an album like that. What's your? You don't like listening to music in the car? Or we talked about this. You yeah, don't. I mean, I listen. I like listening to music, but I've never thought a new album came out. I got to go. Li- you go sit there for the full like hour. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. And you're just like listening to the song. Well, I like, like being alone. Song. Yeah. And I like yeah. having surround sound. Yeah. Get the AC going. It's yeah. a good time in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I, I, I'm just talking about the album thing. Have you ever listened to an album full? Like just to hear. I haven't gone to the car just to listen to it. But you've listened. You've sat and been like in one sitting. A few, a handful of people will have albums where I got to yeah. listen to the whole thing. Yeah, and just for the just to see like how was it? Is it good? I like this. I like that. I just need to. I want to consume it consume as quickly it as I can. Yeah. 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 Huh. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think a lot of people do that. I think yeah. that's a big deal. I mean. I'm just saying, I, I just never, it was never my bag, you know, <laughs> cup of tea. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Bag? Never mind bag? I don't think I've, I've heard that. Of, cup of tea bag. I've heard. Yeah. Never mind bag of tricks, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Holden Lano Henry. How could you not mention the threat level midnight episode of the are the nap episode? Worst Seinfeld, the office podcast <laughs> I've ever heard. Wow. That's, that is fair. Wow. You know, we didn't get into it. Again, we should have got into more of the episodes. I think we will do. Uh, we could do an office episode. We could do might do a Seinfeld and office episode and compare those two because we mm-hmm. those are our two favorite shows. And then so we will do. We will. We can. Do, uh, you know, we should have probably broke down more episodes. To be honest, now yeah. looking back, I'm not level a, midnight's terrible. I, well, I agree. I was about to say we yeah. did talk about it. When, yeah, we talked about jumping the shark. Right. <laughs> you thought the Threat Little Minute that episode was terrible. I was not a fan of that episode. It's one of the worst with Steve Carell. I skip it every yeah. time I rewatch yeah. it. Yeah. 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 It shows it. Yeah. It is stupid. Yeah. But it was like almost leading up. You think that's jumping the shark, though? Because that's, it's, it's, they've talked, he's written this script forever. So they're like, well, everybody's going to want to watch this movie. And he made it. Like the idea of the, the idea of the episode is actually yeah. brilliant. Like you could see when they finally, they probably thought of that. He's a scriptwriter. He's writing Threat Level Midnight, and they thought we're going to see when we put it out, and this is going to be a gigantic episode because who's not going to a character on TV's written a movie? You're going to eventually want to see what he wrote, mm-hmm. and so in, th- in like in the idea stage of it, I bet it was like, yeah, dude, this is going to be enormous, uh-huh. and uh, I think that 
that was a point where the office was on the backside. Mm-hmm. And maybe if they throw that in season four, you're like, this is unbelievable. You know, but that's what jumping the shark is throwing what? something in when it's on the backside to see if it can save it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah, it, yeah I get, yeah, I thought it's, it, but to, I thought when it goes from good to bad, like it just is like, yeah. But to your point, they yeah. took advantage. I, I don't think of it as trying to save it. I think of it as it's, you're taking advantage of the, your audience and you, now you're like, we can do something insane. Yeah. So let's try something insane. And then that you lose everybody. Yeah. Which is probably about when you start losing people to begin with. I'll give it that episode credit. They bring in characters that hadn't been on the show in years. Mm-hmm. Right. So Roy, he, Roy comes back and, and a few and others. So either they shot that, they were smart enough to shot that way back or they just brought them back. And yeah, so probably brought them back. Uh, because like yeah, that's, they would just bring them back, right? Maybe, but uh, their hairstyles and their oh, they weight made them look like that. and all that—they oh, okay. did a good job that with makes that. Sense. Yeah. Caleb Elliott. With every intro, Nate does he. With every intro, Nate does he sounds. That wasn't me. Everybody, so don't you know? With every intro, Nate does he sounds like he is not sure what podcast he's on and who is on the podcast with him. Uh, okay, maybe I could see that. I mean, I, I like I read these words. I look at words. <laughs> like I don't know what these words are about to be, so I could see it. Does that sound right? With every intro Nate does, he sounds like he is not sure what podcast he's on. Okay, a With comma every- really, really would have changed the game there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's mid sentence. Right. If I would have been, so what are you guys doing later? I was listening to this podcast. With every intro Nate does, he sounds like he is not. I still can't get it. <laughs> with every intro Nate does, he sounds like he is not sure what podcast he is on and who is on the podcast with him. <laughs> Exclamation point. With him. Kayla Elliott's a very funny comedian. He opens for Sinbad. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that oh, that's Kayla, cool. Yeah, it's good. I like that. Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, yeah. I think I met him in here. I don't know. I haven't met him, but I've I've seen him open for Sinbad. Yeah. That's funny. All right, go check Caleb Elliott out. Uh, Jesse Matheson. They should make an Aaron Weber Secret Genius T-shirt. Yeah, I think you. I think you're Jesse Matheson. Your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a secret genius? No. Dude. Have you ever had your IQ taste take? Tasted. Tasted. Thank you, tasted. Have you no, ever walked I, into I, a, just a glass door? Or no, you always see it. Is that what being a genius is? Yeah. Being able to see glass? Yeah. You always see we it. We have a You're very a, low level of yeah. genius. <laughs> yeah, well, by that metric, yeah, I'm a genius for sure. You've never walked into a glass door. I've walked in all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Because in my mind... I'm a lot smaller than I am. And yeah. I forget that sometimes. So yeah. I'll clip the side of doorways and all the time, dude. That's, I think that's genius, though, because a genius does dumb stuff like that. That's how That's how you know. Okay. Because I'm really good and I, because all I got is to be aware of my surroundings. <laughs> so my uh, wife's uncle, uh, we went to go, you know, this was whenever, what, five, six, seven years ago. We all go eat with her family and we go to this restaurant and he's like six, seven or six, eight, huge. And we get done. We're, we're all sitting there eating. They go to leave. It was like a Sunday, like after church, like, you know, it's like that kind of vibe. Like It's hot outside. Everybody's wearing nice clothes, like, and we're eating. And then he get, they go to leave and he's an older, older guy. 
and uh, I mean, walks out the door, and it's a door. And I mean, look, I get it. It's a door with just glass. Like it doesn't make sense that the glass is there. And man, he just boom, just popped it, dude, with his head, and just was like, and you heard it. I saw the whole thing, and it was. I mean, you just laughed so much. Like yeah. it's. I mean, you felt so bad because he blessed his heart. Like, but he. And the for where his forehead was, they couldn't even reach to clean it because it was too tall. He's six eight, like they had to get. I mean, they, no one could ever. No one it's could reach. Still it. there. They gotta get a ladder, yeah. dude. I mean, when you watch someone walk through glass, it's so funny because there's no, yeah. ooh, there's no hesitation. You can really tell when it's an, a true accident, yeah, because there's no bracing for it. it yeah, just that's so that crazy. video of that one. There's one video girl. She does it like three times. Like there's, it's glass, and so there's a door, yeah. And she just keeps like one, <laughs> two, and she keeps making these turns, and then I mean, then does it again. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 remarkable, dude. Yeah, but yeah. it's such a weird feeling because one, you kind of hurt yourself, yeah, and your brain is so shocked with what just happened. Yeah, the air just stopped me. Yeah, it's just it's a weird thing. Yeah, well, I mean, you walk. There's no, there's no stop. I mean, that's what's crazy, just how confident it is. Yeah. Uh, Chris Thomas, I swear if Nate calls Nelson Nelson Nielsen ratings one more time, I'm going to scream 80s rock lyrics. Tell you, we've got a lot of people hung up on some weird stuff on this. <laughs> like, I mean, we've had some people get mad at one thing and then they just, it's a wrap. But uh, you know what? I get it. I'm like that too. Uh, what do you say? No. It's Nielsen. Nielsen. I just say I to say Chris, Nielsen. we got to pick our battles here. I mean, and Nelson. Yeah. I, say I think Nelson. this is more of an accent issue than a. A reading issue. Yeah, oh, Aaron, you're being so nice. Because you kind of say it, you sound, when you just said it just now, it kind of sounded like Nelson. Nielsen. Yeah. Nelson. I was talking about Nelson. My buddy Nelson, he does his ratings. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this is the first time hearing about this Nielsen. I thought, <laughs> Nate knows is, a guy. <laughs> I know a guy named Nelson. I thought that this was. The Nelson ratings, I go, well, they're doing pretty good. He watched the whole episode last night. And they're like, Wow. <laughs> And then, I mean, that's what I would always be in every conversation, every conversation they had. Everybody's like, how the Nelson ratings is like, pretty good. He stayed up till 10 p.m. last night. And they're like, God, did he watch the Nelson ratings? Are saying it. People are watching it. Nelson's watching it. They're watching the whole thing. Just have no idea that, that they were not talking about my buddy Nelson. I thought, I can't, you know, what about the Nelson ratings? I'm like, you know Nelson too? He is guy. <laughs> He knows everybody. It amazes me every time. <laughs> I was in Pittsburgh, and a guy brooks up and goes, I've been doing the, reading about the Nelson ratings. I was like, this is before the internet. Uh, <laughs> Nick A., speaking of a TV shows and how timing programming has changed so much with streaming and Netflix world, I have kids that are six and eight. For the first time, we watched a show as a family, Disney's Mandalorian. 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 My kids were so completely confused at the fact that we had to wait until next week to be able to watch the next episode. We literally had to explain the process to them because they thought we were holding out and making them wait until next week. And because it was bedtime, we weren't letting them watch one more episode. Oh, so like, because they were watching it because that's what they did with that show. Yep. They do it that's one, good. one a week. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, I think it's, I think you should have to I do wait. too. I think that that's very underrated in the fact of you excited to it's you know just jamming through them i don't think you know i think with netflix like narcos i love narcos but all the guys on narcos 
they're that show's probably so watched, and if they spread it out week by week, I think it's talked about like it's The Sopranos. But because everybody watches it on their own time, no one really talks about it. And it's this amazing show that we all love. But none of those guys are super famous. Like if you saw them on the street, I mean, you might not even realize it at first. They, but if they were, if they aired it every other week and it was a must-watch TV thing, then those people would be super famous because people would talk about it. But you can't talk about Narcos now. You can't talk about anything because you're like, do you watch Narcos? You're like, I haven't seen it yet. Ah, oh, all right. And you got to find a guy that does, and then that guy gets done. Is like, I want to talk about Narcos, and you're like, I don't care, man. Yeah, like Ozark's got one more season, and I'm looking forward to it. But by the time I get up that morning, somebody's already going to watch the finale. Yeah. And they'll be tweeting about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I build on Ozark. I need to probably give it a go. I I'm surprised you said that about Narcos. To me, Narcos is a show like we were talking about that no one else watches except us. Oh, uh, I think Narcos is the most amazing show, but I like that stuff. But do you think a lot of people watch it? Yeah. Oh, you do? I do. I do. Okay. They're making, how they're making more. I think they are. I love cartel stuff. Yeah, so, I do too. Uh, they, uh, we should do a cartel episode. I love cartel stuff. Narcos is amazing. But they did... Uh, I need to watch Ozark. Ozark, I just bailed on. It was like I watched it. I think I watched it too much, too close to Breaking Bad. I felt like it was trying to yeah. be Breaking Bad. Yeah. And then I just was like, I can't do this again. And I needed a break. I didn't love the op- the beginning of the thing. It was like they were in... I mean, I'm not ruining this because I, I haven't seen him. But it was like in, they are into money laundering. And then... Uh, they move to the Ozarks and get into more money laundry. Like that's like, that was like, all right. Like, is that what I got to believe? Like you gotta, <laughs> they're like, all right, we're safe now. We're in the Ozarks. How you doing, sir? What do you do for a living? Oh, you're a money launderer, <laughs> a gigantic one. That's a big problem. Yeah. Well, we are too. That's funny that we met here. Sarah Thomason. It's weird that it's a radio show. They put on TV. He said on his podcast episode that is being shown on YouTube. I think maybe, was it John that said, it's weird to think about when they went from a radio show and just started airing it on television? Yeah. yeah. So she's pointing out that... John's an idiot. <laughs> well, that, that I we're... agree with that. John I think we even dumb. addressed the irony at the time, I remember. Yeah, okay. Of saying it's all come full circle. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. We'll never let John ever on the show ever. No. <laughs> He'll be on the Seinfeld office episode when we finally give him a proper episode to come on. <laughs> He was talking to a 20-year-old kid about, like, you know when TVs were invented? Like, it felt, I didn't, all I, I love, do love asking him, like, so what do you, do you remember this? Do you remember that? You know, it's because it's like your first time feeling old. Yeah. I mean, that's, we can ask you that. You're young, too. You're 28. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy how young you are. Uh, you got your whole future ahead of you. <laughs> Don't blow it, Aaron. Don't blow it. Thanks. Uh... <laughs> It's not a bright future. It's a, uh, oh, you can hear in that. Two more. Or three more. Uh, Taylor Smith, I love how Brady... I love how Brady is like when your mom makes you take your little brother with you and hang out with your friends. But at the same time, Nate acts like there is 20 years between them. Great stuff. You guys yeah. are the best. P.S. This has bothered, bothered me since the second episode. It's pronounced syncope, meaning to faint. Like goats, the fainting goats, syncope. My my uh, neighbor texted me that too, Felix. PSPS, I wonder how that guy had, that fainted from laughing is doing. How is that guy doing? I uh, checked him. Uh, he died. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I killed him. Uh, a trial coming know, up. That's crazy. I took a turn. I thought he did. You should have not 
giving that up. Uh, no, he uh, he's fine. I think. Yeah, he never. He did. He did. Oh. He, he. I mean, it was that. It was. Uh, it's like when your larynx or something it yeah. collapses because you're laughing so hard, yeah. it makes you faint. Huh. Huh. Uh, it's very well. Thank you, uh, Chris Johnson. I'm pretty sure Nate scratches his forehead as a signal to stop talking about a certain subject. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't do I. I don't uh, ever notice that. Now I'm gonna notice know. it yeah. anytime I'm talking. Uh, I'll be yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think I would ever do that. I think I would just say, "Hey, yeah, this is I have not noticed that." Yeah, mm-hmm. I would just go, "This is dumb, and we need to move on." <laughs> uh, John Slater, it's unbelievable, unbelievable how many times Nate says "unbelievable" per episode. Uh, I do say "unbelievable" a lot. I've always said it. You know, it's a good word. Yeah, I think everybody says words the same. I think even every. Per- I always get. I say like a lot. You know, like I went to the store, you know, I, I, and I've even tried to work on it. I tried to make myself think about it. I, I do it in my regular conversation to try to not say like in regular life because I'm trying to not make it be into my act. But what people have to realize too in your act is about rhythm. It's about conversation. You say like, most people say like when they're doing normal conversations. So I've seen someone say, well, you would think you're a professional speaker. You would not say like. I'm not a professional speaker in the sense that I'm not presenting. I'm not selling you something. I'm not, that person shouldn't say like, Mm -hmm. I'm a person that's supposed to talk to where you think you mean you are just talking. That's my job as a comic is to be like, Oh, this is my buddy just talking. Well, your buddy says like, and that's what I've got to be. So it's like, that's where that stuff says and unbelievable. I do say it a lot. I do am conscious that I try not to overly do it, but you know, Unbelievable that guy said that. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I was thinking my neighbors, my neighbor Dwayne was uh saw him walking this morning and I was like, You listen to the podcast? I mean I like yelled at him like he had and he's like, I am, I am crime episode. He's a little behind. <laughs> I go, We've done fifty more, Dwayne. And then uh all right. So uh this episode, uh we get asked a lot about comedy, about you know. Stand-up comedy. So we're just going to do it. We're going to dive into stand-up comedy. Uh, we're going to do a stand-up comedy episode. And this is going to be that episode. And we're going to start it off this video. Last week, we didn't do a video either. I forgot. All we had, we had one of Aaron's videos and we forgot to play forgot. it. We forgot. I don't think it was good. And <laughs> so we, I think we did Aaron a favor. Yeah. You know, that's what a lot of people said. Yeah. Okay. Uh <laughs> They, uh, no, we, I, we just kind of forgot because we had a guest. It was a new thing. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, Holly was losing it. The dog, uh, <laughs> my wife was gone again. That messes everything up when she's not here. So, uh, this, uh, this week we're, we got a video and, uh, the video is a little sketch video I shot during COVID with my neighbors. And it was, uh, I mean, you're able to see what it is trying to do stand up comedy during COVID times. It was a little fun little just, Sketch video that we've never put out. And this is the, the premiere of uh, doing it. We shot it with my daughter, uh, Harper, uh, the other kids. And with this group, we've all quarantined together. We were a cul-de-sac that's quarantined together. Uh, Blair, Carter, and Reese, and then Jack and Cole. Uh, and so all the kids in our little neighborhood. And uh, they did a wonderful job. So here's the, here's the video. 
My wife and I, we've been married for 13 years and we have a seven-year-old daughter, so it's getting pretty serious. That's it. Give it to me. I don't even know how you got it. So my daughter was two years old, we took her to Disney World. And we told our friends, and they were like, oh, I don't know why you're taking her to Disney World. I mean, she's not gonna remember it. You're just gonna waste your money. All right, all right, okay. Where are you going? You know what? We're better without them. I'll tell you that. This is better. I can tell you what, next quarantine, I'm gonna make sure I have a barber in my circle. You guys watching Tiger King? Couple of you? No, nobody? Okay. Put your hands down. None of these are, this is not a back and forth. I mean, a gun misses. Tigers rarely miss. I won the Boston Comedy Festival and the New York Comedy Festival in the same year. I don't think, yeah, none of you did that, did you? Guys, I am, I am sorry. I raised my voice there, and that wasn't good, you know? He was looking for his elderly wife and saw me with no shirt on and said, Olivia? I mean, I don't even know who he offended more, me or Olivia. How are y'all not getting this, all right? I mean, these are good jokes. not to gain too much weight during this quarantine, you know. Uh, I don't work out, you know, I've never worked out. My muscles are as loose as a goose. What I have been doing is I just tell people I used to weigh 300 pounds. And I've never weighed 300 pounds, but I look pretty amazing for a guy that used to weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> All right, now, now we're cooking. Jack and Cole wish they could see this, I bet. So tell What are y'all doing? Are you, are you at a different show? That guy sells insurance. I'm a professional comedian. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Not bad, really right? Funny. So the idea was a. Uh, uh, the Tonight Show was trying to look for stuff, and they talked to me about like trying to shoot something, and then I came up with this idea. And I guess they were like, "No, uh, that's very funny." Though. Not having it. But it's a very, it's a funny, the kids cute are video. Yeah. Kids do great. Uh, doing comedy during the COVID times. Uh, got a couple golf sets back in my golf clubs, uh, but they're, but it's yeah. The kids were the kids did great, and we did it, and it was hot. Uh, Bates edited that together. Put the music if you don't like it. You know where to <laughs> complain about. Uh, YouTube will flag it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the but it was he uh, he edited it together. I mean, yeah, it's a fun, it's a, it's a very yeah. you know, cute, fun video. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening at home, you can go. We're posted yeah. on the socials, so you can go find it. Uh, so yeah, that's stand up comedy. All right, everybody, we're uh, <laughs> just bell on this episode, and that's how you do stand up comedy. Uh, also, we're gonna do it. We're gonna have Bates take the lead. Oh I, I think it's a lot for you know. I think people can handle me reading the comments, and I think past that, it gets it gets a bit much, you know. So uh, I get it, guys. I'm dumb. Is that what y'all wanted <laughs> to me to say it? Uh, so Bates, take it away. All right. So today we're talking about stand up comedy. That sounds like a. 
you're doing a project yeah. at a te- that sounded just like a student did it not okay today stand-up comedy yeah. uh yeah all right you want to take it back i don't know i think i bring flavor into it uh, but go ahead read all right it. three words in and i'm already struggling <laughs> <laughs> All right. First, we'll do a brief history of stand-up comedy. There's a podcast called The History of Stand-Up. If you haven't seen, listened to that, Uh-oh. I would recommend it. Most of my information here came from Wikipedia. Uh, but uh, basically, 1930s, I mean, stand-up comedy has been around to some degree since court gestures. Mm-hmm. 1800s. the idea. Yeah. But you know, you'd probably be like, they don't count them as stand-up comics. That's like nowadays, like, yeah. being like, I'm an improv. You're like, we're not doing the same thing. Yeah. They're like uh, guitar comics back then. <laughs> chord gestures. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, what would be their competitor? Like a juggler? Like if you're a chord gesture and the juggler's like, oh, like we hang out, we do the same thing. And you're like, all right, dude, take it easy. Yeah. You're a prop comic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for modern stand-up comedy, like 1930s through the 50s kind of got to start. Some of the big names, Mobs Mabley, Jack Benny, Bob Hope, George Burns, Fred Allen, Milton Burrow, and Frank Fay. And they got their start in either vaudeville or on the Chitlin circuit. The that was vaudeville was up. Chitlin serves Southern, right? Or no? No, I think that's Black Comics. Okay. Uh, the Chitlin circuit is. Yeah. So oh, so that's just Black Rooms, uh-huh. and then vaudeville is Jewish. Wasn't only Jew or is New York? We're already in trouble on this game. <laughs> yeah, this is. I've never heard of vaudeville being a Jewish thing. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of New York. Yeah, I think it is. And then I think it was all Jewish people were from New York. Not like are you mean like like fair to say? Like that right? Like the Hamptons? No, 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 no. (laughs) I meant like I think that back then it was uh, I think all those guys are Jewish. Okay. And or all these all of them are Jewish. Moms maybe he's not. Well, that's arguable. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that means. No, but Jack Benny was (laughs) bought like it was, I think. They used to go travel up there. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a big, the rich people of New York would go and travel to those vaudevilles and they would stay. Mm-hmm. The right. Catskills. Catskills is what I was thinking about yeah. when I said the Hamptons. Yeah. 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 Yes. Maybe I'm thinking of Catskills. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Um, but from the 30s to the 50s, the nightclub circuit was owned and operated by the mafia. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, mafia, not that bad of a thing. Take away the <laughs> the murders, the, yeah. the drug, just them selling drugs. I think they're. Oh yeah, the murders are fine with. Yeah. yeah, the murders are they're killing each other. <laughs> it's a good. I think it's a good. Dang. It's a good joke. Worked today. Still worked <laughs> in the eighties. Still relevant now. All right. Uh, nightclubs and resorts became the breeding ground for a new type of stand-up comedian, specifically Lenny Bruce. Um, acts such as Alan King, Danny Thomas, Martin and Lewis, Don Rickles, and Joan Rivers flourished in these venues. It's amazing they they were doing it way back then. Yeah, so the 30s and the 50s. Yeah, I mean, look how many there's. Yeah, there's what is their standups? There, I mean, there's like six. You mm-hmm. know, there's just nobody. Mm-hmm. And those those were. I mean, there's got to be obviously more than that. These are the famous ones. Yeah. So I'm sure there was like, you know, I mean, Cosby used to go. Like at a comedy cellar in New York, Cosby would go and uh, perform at the, I want to say it's Ha or, or Wa or something, whatever's next to uh, the comedy cellar. And it's they do music hmm. down there now. And I know Cosby used to go down there. Carlin used to go down there. And they, uh, they would, because they, they, they didn't have the comedy cellar. They didn't have clubs. So they would do all that kind of stuff. And But that was going on then. I mean, just bounce around doing comedy. 
Then the 60s rolled around. Woody Allen, Chili Berman, Phyllis Diller were big. Some black American comedians, Bill Cosby, you just mentioned. Flip, mm-hmm. Flip Wilson, Dick Gregory became stars, while Red Fox tested the boundaries of uncensored racial humor. Uh, Bud Freeman opened the Improv in New York City in 1963, Improv Comedy Club. And this is pretty crazy. Bob Newhart's debut album, The Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart, reached number one in the Billboard album charts in 1960 and remained at the top for 14 weeks. It won Album of the Year, the 1961 Grammy Awards, where Newhart was named Best New Artist. It was the first comedy album to win Album of the Year and the only time a comedian had won Best New Artist. That's unbelievable. I mean, you know how hard, like, I mean, back then, it was, it was such a big deal with the albums. But yeah, to come out and be a comedian and to do that is nuts. And nowadays, I mean, it's I mean, it's in, impossible. Yeah. I mean, he beat every, like, musician. It mm-hmm. didn't have its own category at the time, comedy? You know, it may have, but, and the way this is written, it acts like it's happened since then, but I couldn't find anybody except Bob Newhart that got album of the year and he's competing against people like ray charles and yeah you know it's pretty crazy we, yeah the, the, you know the comedy doesn't really get its own thing mm-hmm. and like comedy is the only thing in wards awards that like it's not you know a part of something uh you know i mean should they be nominated for an oscar should specials be you know could they be like it would be great i think all that stuff would be but we just don't get to do it but i mean specials are shot beautifully now and they're done. They they just don't. Comics don't get it. Not saying we would. You know, it feels weird because we could think that we don't want it either. Because mm-hmm. uh, a comic is not about. But you, you know, you do want it. Every comic <laughs> does want it. They're going to say. But the idea is like they don't. Like Seinfeld when he won that one. HBO gave him an award. And he was mm-hmm. like, no one wants this award. It's like we want to be in the back of the room, and make fun of. It. But he obviously wants. You do want that. You want the accolades of yeah. yeah being that good it's also easy to say that when you're already seinfeld yeah i mean that's you know? when you get to that level and you're like i don't i don't need any of this stuff uh-huh. like this doesn't do many favors uh he only takes it if he feels like he owes it to them to go take it you know yeah yeah uh that's the, unreal though yeah i'm a big uh you know we talked about the new art show yeah last week uh yeah that's uh Oh, what was it? Oh, my mom wanted me to say something about last week. The who shot Jr. Yeah, the not the with the the episode that Jr. got shot. The one before that was uh, March like twenty first, like nineteen eighty. Okay, and uh, my parents were everybody came over to my house and we we're all going to watch it. I was one, I guess, about to be one. March twenty fifth was my birth. Okay, is my birthday. So. I was going to be one. My, the, my family came down. We were going to celebrate my first birthday, you know, and I had a seizure. Seizure. And, uh, really? yeah, I forget. It's a seizure that babies have or something. And then, uh, so we, we had to go to the hospital. Like, so my parents just had to go to the hospital. My mom didn't get to see it. And they didn't have, like, you know, they didn't have VCR to record. They didn't have any of that stuff. So she just never saw, she didn't see the episode where he got shot. Did they know it was coming? The seizure? The seizure? No, the, like, <laughs> what, did they know that he was going to, something terrible was going to happen uh, to him for them to all be gathered around? Well, my birthday was. Oh, that's why they were there. Yeah, I mean, like, we were going to be celebrating my birthday. And it was, it's a big show. Yeah. It's so it wasn't show. like they were watching because they knew something was, yeah. they were just watching. Maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I yeah. think it was just a big show. And yeah. my birthday was, we're celebrating my first birthday. I'll come down, we'll watch Dallas. We're, you know, it was a thing. Yeah. It was like a, you know. 
Okay. And then I had a seizure and they went to the hospital, so my mom never saw it. She's still mad about it? <laughs> still Apparently. brings it up. Yeah, she brought it up. Did you talk about the seizure? Uh, and I go, no, I'm trying to move on past that. <laughs> uh, That's interesting. I had one when I was one and five. Wow. Yeah. During, um, I can't think of it. During was... Bob Newhart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> during the MASH finale? Yeah, the MASH finale. It's only finales. And one time Seinfeld. Uh, yeah. All right, then the 70s, uh, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, Lily Tomlin, Steve Martin were some Starts of the- rocking. Yeah, some of the comics who got their start or became big stars of the 70s. Mm-hmm. The Comedy Store opened in LA in 1972. Hollywood Improv opened in 1974. Um, there's a yeah. lot of good documentaries. Yeah, there's stuff some about great the 70s. documentaries, great books. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there's a great book about that, the boom in comedy. You know, yeah, I've talked to a lot of guys that that started in that kind of era. A lot of strike. people, my dad, they had the big strike where they weren't getting paid. We had a strike in New York uh, when I moved, or almost almost a strike where they wanted uh, comics to get paid. Uh, with Ted Ted Alexandro uh, put it together. I just moved to New York as like two thousand four or five. I was handing out flyers at Boston Comedy Club, and they would have meetings, and they wanted the pay to go up, so. To do spots in New York City, you would uh, – am I jumping ahead? Should I be telling this later? Or no, it's, it's uh, fine. So uh, to do com- to do make money in New York City, how they all make money is you do spots. And so when you do shows in New York City, it's not like on the road. So if you're living in Kansas City at the Kansas City Improv, there you go watch a headliner, an opener, and then an MC. Mm-hmm. But in New York City or in L.A., you see people do spots. And so New York City was where I was. Uh, and how they do it is you're doing like six comics around shows. You go to a show and you're going to see six comics. And the, I forget, I don't know what they were getting paid then. I wasn't getting paid because I was handing the flyers. I was a new comic. But they wanted the pay to go up. And so they got it up, whatever it was. I don't, it was, whatever it was. But to, I think, I don't, some of it's up even more now since I've left. But they got it up during the week. It's $25 a spot. So Monday to Sunday to Thursday, maybe Sunday to Thursday is $25 a spot. And that's why you'd go do four or five spots. So you could make a couple hundred bucks that night. Uh, And then if you hosted, you got $75 a spot Sunday to Thursday, because that person couldn't run around and and do more shows to get money. Mm. And then the weekend was one uh, was $75 a spot. not hosting. So then you could go and make 75 bucks a spot and then host would get 125, I believe to stay on the show. And then the host would just typically, if you did three shows a night, he would just stay there that whole night. And so it'd be a matter of, do you want to host and stay or do you want to go run around? And that's how New York comics make all their money. That's how you eventually get in. And I mean, you would make money. I mean, you can make, I don't know, thousand dollars a week, maybe. Really? Well, I mean, what, $25 a spot? If you're doing, I mean, I mean, I would go out in the real peak of it. I'm doing two shows every night. I mean, yeah. I did nine years, I did a show every night. Every night for nine years. And then, but at those times, I'm not getting paid. And then when I started getting paid, I mean, I'm easily doing two a night. I would do, uh, you know, you would just be like, where are you at? Like, oh, I'm at Stand Up New York, and then I'm going to run down to uh, the stand. Or I'm going to run down to... The con- or run over to the comic strip. You try to stay uptown too, like so. You try to stay 
if you if you if you could do stand up New York was like eighty something ninetieth eighty ninth in Amsterdam or it was Upper West Side, and the comic strip was Upper East Side. So you would try to if you could, you just like well, almost stay up there, and if I could b- run back between the two, and so you would just stand up in New York, and then sometimes if, if the best nights were when it was nice and it was like nice outside and you had a break, you could just walk over so like you would just you know i have an hour and you're like i'm gonna just walk over and what you have a comic with you and you're just like oh let's walk and you walk over you go into the comic strip you do the show and then you got to go back and but i mean yeah so you make do two a night 25 50 bucks what is that 54 days is 200 bucks Mm -hmm. and then on the weekend if you do five shows at 75 Mm -hmm. whatever that would be you know i mean is that that's probably about a thousand right Something like that. Let's get on up there. So that's how you make, uh, yeah, that's how the comics in New York would would make their money. They run around and do this. It's a lot. It's a the the problem is it's a it's a lot of work. You're working for that money. I mean, you're doing shows. The most shows I ever did was seven in one night, and so all these sets too are fifteen minutes long. Uh, so the most I ever did was seven, and it was. That seven, I just remember it, it was too much. By the time you got to the last one, you're you don't even I, you don't know if you've said the same joke. You're like, have I already said this joke? Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're doing the same set. Mm-hmm. So like you know, I mean, I think most people listening to this podcast will understand no comedy, but you're doing the same set majority of the times, and that's how you fix the set and make it become really good. And you got to do it over and over and over and over again. And so you would be doing that in New York. And I remember, I mean, you just would do, but mostly five. Like if I go back now, like if I'm doing a Tonight Show and I go back, I like to run like, I don't have to do as much as I used to, but I'll do, I still do probably three one night, two the next night, and then I'll do the Tonight Show the next day. And so that's what I'll end up doing. And I'll just do, and what I want to do when I do it usually, the first couple sets, I'll do full sets. 15 minutes and I'll just open with my tonight show set. That's five minutes. So I open with it and I'll do 10 minutes. Uh, and then, but the last day I like to do just five. I, I want to do just, I don't want to do 15. I want to do my five. I want to pop in and be able to do a, so I can truly time it and know what the set is at, what time it is at. Uh, and that's how I do. That's how, so when I do tonight shows, I used to always go do it in a bad room too. I would go to a room that's tough. Uh, not a, really not a comedy club. I might find a little bar and, and then go do somewhere where the audience is not going to be great. Cause I knew if I could, if I could do the set during that, I could do it at the time. I wouldn't be nervous at the night show. Cause in my head, I'm like, well, I've already, I did this where no one laughed and everybody hated me. So I'll go now. I'm fine. Now I've, it's just putting that set through the mud. You know, right. so this is a set you've already, you obviously already have confidence in the jokes, so you're not going to lose yeah. confidence if it's a bad room. Yeah, yeah, you're like, all right, but I really the timing is what I'm looking at. Uh-huh. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the timing of doing this without big laughs. Yeah, I'm not worried about like you're not going to bomb. No one's going to boo me or anything. Yeah, I'm, but if they don't laugh how I think they're going to laugh, that's the only really you know. So I got to get, I got to get my time. Like if I can do it where the audience is not laughing, uh, then I know that timing. And I've said it. I can get through these jokes without, I'm not relying on that time. It's not going to mess me up. I've already said it without them laughing. Because if you get in front of a Tonight Show crowd, 
some of them are, can be overcrowded. They can be overexcited where they clap too much and they're applauded. You have to stop. I mean, symptoms in tonight's show, you have to kind of talk to stay on top of them. Like, I'll, if I feel like they're about to clap and they're going to kind of stop your momentum and the joke is still like I'm in the mid, it's not like that's the end of that joke. I'm in the middle of that joke. And you got to kind of be like, and then I went, I went to the store. So I went, I went to the store the other day. You got to kind of, got to do that. And that's how you kind of keep them at bay. Like, that's how you kind of be like, no, 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 no I'm not done without saying, no, I'm not done. Uh-huh. And that happens a lot. Yeah. And you just got to kind of stay on top of you're them. controlling them. Yeah. You're just controlling the response mm-hmm. because you're like, I can't really, I, I, we can't get out of it. If we all clap and we get out of this. It's going to feel weird for me to get back into it, but I have to get back into it. So you try to kind of, you're trying to like keep everything, the rhythm of it's really great. Cause I mean, you know, they're just, they like the joke and the TV crowd is going to be, they're a little more hurrah than a normal crowd. But I mean, I, I always say tonight show, when you do a tonight show set, I don't, it's not like you go have the greatest, you feel like the reaction is the greatest you've ever been a part of. I never think it is. I think you. I think you can do. You end up getting bigger laughs at a comedy club the night before because the comedy club is built for that. Mm-hmm. And it's at a, when you do a Tonight Show. I mean, Tonight Show is actually a really good setup for late night shows. Uh, that you walk out and you stand. There's a little four leaf clover right where the thing is. They ask you if you want to hold the mic, if you whatever you want to do. Uh, Fallon does a great, great job of. Uh, telling them what's going to happen. He does an awesome, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot. Telling of, the comic? No, the audience. Oh, the audience. So, the you know, all I've ever done is Conan. I did Late Night with Conan. Uh, Conan when he was at TBS. I did Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. And then Fallon when he's at Tonight Show. So those were all in different studios. And Conan was, uh, Late Night with Conan was a good setup. When he went to TBS, not a good setup. It was you're very far. The audience is set up where you walk out and there's some people kind of right in front of you. And then think of like a like a kidney bean. Like that's what the seats kind of are shaped like that. It kind of goes that way. So the person, someone's really far away from you. Like a lot of people are really far away from you. So the audience is not kind of on you. So you just got to get, that's a kind of a weird setup and it can throw people off where you're kind of like, what is this? But you got to face the camera, right? So you can't turn and kind of. You can look at the crowd. You try not to look at the camera too much. I mean, you know, I think people have decided, you know, is like, what do you want to do? Do you want to talk to, here's the problem. Like if you're watching on YouTube, like if you can, what I always think about when I'm performing and what I've noticed, the audience is going to be, they're a little bit above. So they're above the camera. So when you're talking, if I'm looking like this into the camera and I'm like, hey, hey, and I'm talking to the jokes, and I know if you're listening to this, you might, this might not make sense, but I'll try to explain. But you're talking, I'm looking right at the camera. My eye line is the camera is side to side. You see this. If I look at the crowd, now you're seeing the whites of my eyes. And so I have done it. And but then you realize, oh, that doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, and if you saw a comic being like, so what's going? You know, the person at home is getting a much different experience than the people there. So I've learned to not really try to do that. I don't look past too high up. You just trying to kind of stay level. So and the audience thinks you're looking at them, and then you know, and then they don't. So it's an interesting 
game. But so, yeah, the tight show does very – so what Fallon does that's so good, and the guy that books Conan, JP, uh, is unbelievable. He's awesome. The two best bookers, and really the ones that I've dealt with, so they're, they're uh, is JP and then Michael Cox who books The Tonight Show, and he's, he's the real deal. I've dealt with a lot of bookers. Tonight Show, they went through a lot of bookers at one point when they were just trying to find bookers. The guys at the stand, comedy club, the stand, but they're they're great. They booked it at one point, and, and it was like I don't think they realized they owned the stand, at a comedy club in New York, and they're and they're like you can't, like you're like how is this going to work out? Like you're, you're it's a huge conflict of interest, yeah. <laughs> and then they eventually found out. But I was a lot of when a new booker came on, I was a lot of their first. They would always book me, not to say anything, but I had a good relationship with Fallon. I'm clean. I'm not trying to push any envelope. I'm not trying to get on there and say something crazy. I'm kind of minding my own business. So I was a lot of like when this night show needed someone, it was like, Fallon likes you. Let's have you on. And then they get to, you know, they're doing it. But the guy that books the night show now is, is amazing. And he's really good because they you got to send them your set. They got to look at the set. I mean, it's much different. When I first started, it was you got to have this stuff on tape. Uh, you have to... My first Conan, I mean, I feel like I'm just keeping rambling. Anyway, so the, well, let me say the tight show. So what Fallon does is he goes, and before he brings you out in front of the crowd, like you talk to him backstage, it's very, just, it's a wonderful, everybody that works there is wonderful. Every time I go back, I see it. Uh, the roots are amazing. They always come and like say something very nice. And, uh, uh, but before Fallon brings you out, he goes and stands where you're going to stand and he talks to the crowd that's there because you need that crowd to be great because that's your reaction. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, we got a great stand-up comedian. He's going to be coming out. He's so funny. It's great. It's, you're going to love it. He's going to stand right here and you're going to enjoy it. And so it, that's so important because now they know where you're going to come. They know where to look. They know like he's setting you up very nicely. And then he brings you out and, uh, and the, you always wave at the band. I always heard that was like kind of a thing with some of these late night shows, some people come out not comics, but it could be anybody, the celebrities and they don't acknowledge the band. And it's not, it looks bad. Like, or the, you know, people, it's just kind of, and you, you know, so you're like, Oh, do you do it? Do you not acknowledge them? Do you acknowledge them? And, uh, I always heard you got to acknowledge them because uh, you'd look crazy. I've never know. thought about that. Yeah, me either. I, I'm going to notice it every time now. Though. Yeah. I think everyone will, will yeah. they, will they, do they wave at the band or do they not? Uh, you got to give a fair that some people could be nervous and they're not thinking, you know, they're going to walk out and be like, oh yeah, there's a blur. dude. Yeah. I didn't even notice the audience, but, uh, you know, how nervous were you when you first did it? When I first did it, the first one I did Conan. So the, how I got Conan, uh, the first one was I was in New York, Eastville comedy club, and they were doing auditions. And they would come and just watch comics. They'd do a showcase. We're going to watch comics. And so I go, my managers uh, went and got them, my old managers. And they went and got them. And uh, they, I got the audition. I did it. The set went good. And I was on the next week. Uh, so it was very quick. And this was with Late Night with Conan O'Brien right before he left. And then the second time I did it, he was about to leave and go take over the Tonight Show. Uh and it was like, I want to say it's like February. I did it in September. And then they were doing other auditions at Eastville. And I wanted to do it in February. And I told my managers, my older managers, I was like, hey, I want to do it again. And they were like, it's too soon. You can't do it. 
And I was like, I think I can do it. And they're like, no, they're never going to, there's no reason to even go try. And I knew Mulaney, who I started with, John Mulaney was, we kind of started at the same time. But I remember John Mulaney, he was an unbelievable comic, but he just did it. He just did them like kind of close. And I was like, well, John Mulaney did them twice. I was like, I mean, they're doing that. Like, I think I could do it twice. And they were like, no, it's crazy. So I went and called, I went and I knew obviously the booker of the club and I told them, Hey, I want to do it again. They were like, yeah, they would love to see you. Like, I'm a clean comedian. Like they're going to, you know, I I can at least have a shot. And I just did it. Uh, So I went and did it. And I did not tell those managers. I was like, I'm not going to tell them. I wanted to just get on Conan and them see me on Conan. And so uh, I didn't tell them. And then they call me because uh, it's the Steinbergs, these managers. They're and they're I love them. They're they made the, I think I would almost I, I mean I would tell them this story. I might have told them this story. They're, they were the they were known. They were New York managers. They're two brothers, and they're all they're actually awesome. The uh, great. I still talk to Evan. Like he's in Arizona now, but uh, they're so they 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 get the Conan people call my managers that day. And say, hey, Nate's got to be there at the club, whatever. And so then they call me and they go, so you got to be at the club for the Conan audition. So you're doing it? And I was like, yeah, y'all told me I couldn't do it. And I just asked the club and they're letting me do it. And then uh, so I went down I went down to Conan and I did it. And uh, it was, the set went great. And I did it the next week and I did it again. And uh, that one I did with. Uh, Were they mad? No, no, they were they they were happy. They don't care. Like you know, it's like they're like ah, whatever. You did it, good for you. But you were hoping they just turned on the TV that night and saw you back on it again. Oh yeah, that <laughs> was that, that was what I was going for. And if I if I would have known, I, I I didn't know that they would have called and said here tell Nate what time we're coming. But uh, or I would have stopped that. Yeah. I would have been like, don't tell them. I was really trying to, and then I just but I didn't know that they called. Your man, I didn't think about it because mm-hmm. I, you know, I was new to all this kind of. Uh, but yeah, I was hoping that I could just show them. I would have loved it just to have been like to see me on. <laughs> uh, it would have been very funny. But that was when I did those. I was nervous. Julia Louis Dreyfus was. She's been a guest twice that I when I've been on uh, Conan and then another one on Tonight Show. Never, never talked to her. Really? Uh, great. Did I tell the story on? One story I saw backstage at Tonight Show, Val Kilmer was on uh, the Tonight Show. And he's just walking around, dude. He's in his own world, man. Hmm. He's great. And so you don't always talk to all the guests. I've, I'm trying to think of who may have ever really, you know, Vince Vaughn I talked to once, which I was doing the Nashville Fest. He was used to be a part of that. And uh, he was cool. Aaron Paul, uh, when I was on here, he was just like, hey, what's up? And that was about it. Uh, trying to think anybody I don't none of them I really you kind of try to stay out of the way you kind of not try to like you know I mean I always talk to Fallon a lot but uh, you just kind of you know I don't really Patton Oswald was on the show obviously I, I knew Patton and so it was kind of uh, but I, yeah most you don't it's just I don't really mess with anything and so uh, Val Kilmer is on the show and he just keeps like walking he just kind of walks around into every room. <laughs> and uh, and then, so I was like, I mean, I think I talked to him for a second, but not much. And uh, he and Julia Lewis Jarvis is there. He just walks into her. I just see him walk into uh, 
her green room and she's sitting there and she's like, Hey Val. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'm getting married in two months. You're going to come. And then walks off and that's it. She had no idea that he's getting married. And like, <laughs> he just was like, you're invited to the wedding and then leaves. No more, no more information, no more anything. And just, that was, I think the only time they talked was that. <laughs> and he was, cause she left right after and, you know, and he, but he was just like a kind of guy like, yeah. like that. And then he, and then he ended up like following me and like I think listened to me he and tweeted you, yeah, some. tweeted at me a few times. Uh, it was it was very nice. I, mean, I didn't really even talk to him that much at the Tonight Show, but besides that, I just remember him inviting her <laughs> to his wedding, <laughs> and she was like, "Okay," like, and then he just kind of kept going and just kind of keep walking down. You know, that's great. All right, let's get into some of these questions. Um, so I'm not gonna. These are questions from from fans and listeners i'm i don't have their names because a lot of them are asking the same question but first one was uh who's the first comedian you, you remember seeing perform live uh i mean on tv i want to say it was sinbad you know i think maybe seinfeld at the end of a seinfeld episode when it was on uh i think sinbad even before then uh i remember jim brewer was the first live one did they say live yeah uh uh, Jim Brewer was the first live one. It was at Zany's in Nashville. I was in high school. I have on my, what I was going to do in 10 years, when you write like at your senior year, like where are you going to be in 10 years? And I said, Joe, I said, I'm going to be playing in the NBA. I was like always saying I was going to still make the NBA. I love basketball. And I technically did because I played for the Nashville Baptist Association. <laughs> uh, church ball. And, and then it was hard to be performing at Zany's. I'll be at Zany's performing. And I kind of put that, I think, as a joke. Like, it was, I wasn't, had no concept of really being like, I'm going to start doing comedy. But I remember I went and watched Jim Brewer. And he, I just remember how good he did. I mean, he walked off stage. I gave him a high five. I mean, I was like, this guy's amazing, dude. I was like, this was, it was unbelievable how hard we laughed. Uh, and I remember seeing the openers. I thought everybody was just probably rich on that show. Yeah. And then you start emceeing and you're like oh that guy was poor as poor <laughs> like i was a senior in high school and i made more money than he did yeah. i mean he was making nothing like ten dollars maybe or something yeah. stupid uh so yeah jim brew was the first one and i got to work with him i don't you know i've only I, i've been around him a few times but I, we never talked a ton uh -huh. but i'm still a gigantic jim brewer fan and jim brew is very very funny very unbelievable comedian uh, a little underrated in the fact that I, he he doesn't get the clout that I think he deserves. He's up there with that, with all the tops, and he's an awesome, awesome comic. I remember going to Zany's I th when I was in college, so this is early '90s, and I don't remember his name, but he's the guy from the movie Major League that's Bob Uecker's sidekick, the color color commentator that never comments. Have you guys seen Major League? Yeah. yeah, I can't put a face to that. Yeah, uh, that's his chick. He never says anything hardly. Okay. Bob, but Bob, he's Bob Bob Uecker. He's a stand-up comic. He was very funny, and we yeah. got to meet. He stood by the door after the show yeah. selling merch. Yeah, and I was blown away that I got to meet this guy. Yeah, I thought it was the greatest thing yeah. ever. Yeah, what was yours? I saw Brian Regan. Yeah, in college, it's the yeah. first live show I ever saw. Yeah, yeah, at Notre Dame. Yeah, I saw Brian Regan open for Jerry Seinfeld once. Really? Here at the T-Pack? T-Pack, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Was it 2003? Yeah. It's a decent I was there. show. Yeah. I didn't know who Brian Regan was. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I didn't know Brian Regan was either. And we, I flew back. That's when I started comedy. 
I moved to Chicago and then we came back. I was, I was a September 11th or around 12th. Cause Could I remember been. it was 2002. It was early 2000. It was 2002. Cause I flew back on September 11th, 2002. So it was a year after mm. I remember flying back one year on the one year anniversary of 9-11 oh, wow. and, uh, back to Nashville. And I moved, we moved to Chicago, me and Michael Clay, who I'm wearing his daughter's softball hat this week, Moxie. She's in a real legit travel soft. Like it's like real deal. Yeah. They're good. Uh, all that travel kid stuff. I think it gets crazy, you know, Ser- it gets super serious anyway. So me and Michael moved in Chicago and uh, I came back to see Seinfeld. And, I, and it was Brian Regan open. I believe Brian Regan opened for him. It's funny as I remember the opener being super funny, but you have no concept of what's happening. Like yeah. now, since I'm in this world, I understand it so much. And like, you're like, how do these people not know? Yeah. Like there's people that come to shows and they don't know that there's an opener. Yeah, still. Yeah. Still. And, but like, I think I could have been that person. I mean, if you're not going to a live show, I think stand up comedy is a, a lot more mainstream now mm-hmm. than it was then. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, I think stand up comedy is becoming very mainstream. Yeah. And uh, it's people are listening to it like a little more consuming it like music. But, but then, yeah, I didn't think about it. And uh, a lot of stuff was I just never thought stuff through. I mean, that's uh, that's why I can't I was the same way. I had friends. I have friends now. I'll say, who are your favorite comics? And they'll name some people. And I think and t- I think those comics are terrible. You don't know what you're... But yeah. I was the same way before... Right. Name the comics. I, I got into stand-up. Uh, <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, Aaron. somewhere in the room. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned you you how cool it was that you got to meet that comic. Yeah. That was the thing that blew me away when I started doing stand-up is how accessible mm-hmm. all of like the best comics in the world are. Mm-hmm. I was like four months into comedy and I met Ralphie May. Yeah. I was like, that's un- unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like picking up a guitar and then you meet, you know, Eric Clapton in f- mm-hmm. a couple months. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all. Well, comparing been... Ralphie May to Eric Clapton's a little. Well, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Ralph. <laughs> Ralphie was a wonderful guy. Yeah. It's kind of. Uh, okay, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that. I was going to say, uh, so the kind of segues away in the next question, which comedian, what comedians have influenced your career? Influenced my career. So, so it's some weird ones that are not going to be probably normal, but the mine, uh, one of, uh, I mean, the beginning, Big J, Okerson, and Kurt Metzger, two very dirty comics, but two very close friends of mine. And we just moved to New York. That's the great thing about New York is when you go move in, you just kind of, you kind of hang out with guys that you, you, it's not like you're hanging out with uh, me and you are probably the closest act that are our acts are clean and whatever. I mean, even probably all of us are kind of the closest I've where we're like, you would think, oh, yeah, I could see those comics hanging out. Usually the, it's, the acts are pretty different. And I think it's really New York. The acts were very different. Mm-hmm. And so you're hanging out with guys that are filthy and like because it's like those are just your friends. And so, I mean, Big J, Kurt Metzger uh they they were huge influences on me because they were just right above me and uh just how funny they were that was the first time i moved and i saw these guys no one knew who these guys were and we're all basically kind of still starting and i was blown i was like god dude these guys are so funny like it was unbelievable 
just being like, you've been doing comedy four years and you're just like, dude, like it's <laughs> nuts. And you're seeing these guys and that's being at Boston come Dustin Chafin, the guy I served with, uh, he would run it and like it was, and he's a comic too, but it would, we would all be there and just all be them. Like I wouldn't take that time away at all. Like with being at Boston comedy club, it was amazing to get to watch all these people, Bill Burr, Patrice Sonu, Burr, Burr's probably the biggest as far as not saying act wise, you know, I don't think people affect you as far as your, the way you do your act. Mm -hmm. They affect you in the way that you, how you get excited and how you like kind of go across what I need to do to get to how you approach it. comedy, how you approach comedy. And, uh, so like seeing like, I mean, David tell, you know, uh, was a big deal watching how funny he was, but like Burr was a big deal. Cause Burr, I saw Burr, you know, I think I've talked about this before, but like Burr's paths to me mm -hmm. was I watched him. I remember the Philly rant before it happened. I remember him telling us about it. Uh, like right when it kind of blew up on YouTube and he's like, ah, he was like, tell us about the show. I remember watching Burr's HBO one night stand. I mean, I knew Burr, Burr doing his first letterman when he, I was I almost handed him a flyer. Uh, cause I did crap HBO crashing is what I how I started with Pete Holmes. And so, and then he almost handed him a flyer and, uh, you know, and he's like, he's doing letterman for the first time. And I mean, I remember that. And then, so I got to watch him. I remember going to watch him at Caroline's headline. There's 30 people there. To then, at, to then the Caroline's being mad if you asked if you could go watch him because you, you know how busy we are this weekend. Bill Burr is here, like, and how that is. Uh, I mean, just like yeah, seeing Burr to Town Hall. That's great. Me and Soder went to Town Hall to watch Burr when he first did Town Hall, and you know, as it was like kind of like kind of knowing him at that point. I think he would always be like, yeah, Nate, you know, he would know me, but I'd always still introduce myself to him. Uh, He's the biggest to me just because I've watched all his success and just seeing it was like, God, this, this is, there's a path. There's a way to do it. That guy's doing it. That guy is unbelievable. I mean, dude, dude in town hall with me and Soder and sitting in the like probably fifth row and watching him at town hall to then I performed at town hall last year yeah. was, is pretty wild. Like it was, I mean, it was, I think 10 years to the almost weekend. Was I was here watching Burr, then I was doing two shows. Wow. And it was, I mean, so and I remember someone yelled at him, and I remember all this stuff, and I remember how big that place was, and then, you know, and then you're there, and you're like, you know, so Burr was, uh, uh, is a huge, huge influence for me. Ga I mean, Gafkin too. Uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Seinfeld's the big, I mean, Seinfeld's the biggest. Seinfeld, I moved from Chicago to New York because I watched Comedian. I'm obsessed with Seinfeld. Seinfeld's the biggest deal to me. I watched, I had his, the last time I'm going to tell you, I had it memorized. So everything about that guy, I don't, I don't do my comedy as much like him. I mean, some is observational, but I'm, the way I tell stories, I talk a little looser than him. He's very more, you know, he could write his out word for word kind of. Uh, but everything that guy's done, Seinfeld's, Seinfeld's obviously number one. But all that stuff changes. When you move to New York, it gets, once you're in it, like whatever your heroes are, I mean, they're just so far up there that you're not, you're not going to like, I mean, Seinfeld, I'm not meeting Seinfeld. I'm not hanging out with him, mm -hmm. but like Burr, I was getting to kind of get to know in a, I mean, as you know, not like we were best friends, but I was getting to, like, I could go talk to him. I could ask that guy a question, you know? And so like getting to sit and watch 
from a distance him burr was yeah the the biggest but seinfeld still never met him uh and i mean that's it he's yeah. he's the last he's the last he's the one. last of your your guys that you last yeah. ones that i want to meet i mean almost anybody yeah. I, I mean i would love to meet like tiger and michael jordan yeah but uh among comedians as yeah, comedians he's it yeah there's no one else i rock you cosby know. did you ever meet him Never met Cosby. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's, I've kind of, that's gone now. I can go visit him. Uh, <laughs> you know where you he's know at. What? Actually, it might be pretty easy to meet him now. Uh, <laughs> I just need Seinfeld to go to jail and then I'll, I'll be able to get him. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. He's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, the, no one, I'm trying to think anybody else. Yeah. Uh, I've never, Chappelle, I've, I've, I've been around Chappelle. Chappelle would come into the Boston Comedy Club all the time when we first started. And we would have I tell these Chappelle stories? No, mm -hmm. I haven't heard. There, so Chappelle would always come in, and when we'd be handing out these flyers, Chappelle show is on the air when this is all going. Like this, this is when he's doing the Chappelle show. It's the peak of the Chappelle show. It's huge, right? It's enormous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was doing all these, is not much, and then he left and was just gone. So I saw him up to then he left and then was gone. Uh, and so Chappelle would always come in. We, you know, we'd have Boston Comedy Club. So the idea of it was the comedy club would just be open and it would run from, I don't know, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. And it would just, everybody can pop in and go on. Really, the, the, you would have some guys booked. So the actual show would be like 8 to 10. And then it would just run on and anybody can go and just jump on whenever they want. Dustin really, like, it was really run like a very great place. And so people would come down and, and go up. And so you would see them come on whenever they want. So you see Burr, Patrice, you see all these guys. And then Chappelle would always kind of stop by after he taped the show. He loved Boston Comedy Club. I think he started there. You know, Brennan worked the door there. And uh, so they, 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 they was a big deal you know, that club. So Chappelle would always come down. I remember, I remember having makeup on, uh, like behind his ear, like he would, cause he'd come straight from there just to do stand up. And I mean, he'd be in front of six people. I mean, no one's sometimes he'd be on, no one's in there. And then we would walk outside and be like, Hey, Chappelle's on stage and you can go watch for free, not even charge tickets. And I mean, it would then be a hundred, we could get it to a hundred people within 15 minutes yeah. by just saying Chappelle's on stage. And so we'd go out there and we would say it. I remember telling someone, I told them, Chappelle's on stage. Uh, Dave Chappelle's on stage if you guys want to watch. And they were like, we don't believe you. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm at a comedy club. It's not insane for me to say Dave Chappelle's on stage. And I was like, there's three stairs that led up to it and then a glass door. And I was like, go look. If he's not on those, if he's not on stage, then turn around. Yeah, I'm not going to make you stay. And they go, no. We don't believe you. And I was like, just look. <laughs> if he's not there, then don't go. I mean, what do you mm -hmm. think is going to happen? And then they just left. <laughs> they never did it. And I think about those people a lot. Yeah. They, they, I hope they the could ever show. hear it. They missed the great They, they could have saw Dave Chappelle for free. Yeah. Uh, and they and they just did it. I remember him coming up uh, and being on the phone once. He would always park up front. You couldn't park in front of the club, but like he could. <laughs> and then... Patrice O'Neill also could, would have parked, and I would sit in Patrice's car. Uh, if, and if he, and so if a cop came, I would just drive it around until he got off stage. Uh, but Chappelle parks, and as he walks in, he's like on the phone with like a customer service, and because I, I, I just hear him, he just goes, 
David Chappelle. <laughs> and like, you know, it was like such a weird thing to hear. Like, you know, he's like talking to, yeah, you know, I don't know, like his dentist like or yeah. something like, or whatever. He's, yeah. No one does that with their dentist office, but whoever he's talking, his insurance company. And it was just such a, I, it always like stuck with me because it was like a weird, you know, he's the most famous person on earth at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just being like David Chappelle. In fact, then, he said David. It's what's even yeah. crazier. Yeah. Well, he's giving his name to something. Maybe he's buying a plane ticket yeah. or something. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was like such a crazy thing. But then I remember, yeah, like him just being on stage and him going on really late. He hosted a show one night uh, where he just was like, oh, there's other comics on it. I want to go. The coolest moment I saw at the comedy he, so he would do the comedy cellar and he would go on very – very late and did do long, long sets for this was, he was kind of starting to talk for three or four hours and, uh, and would just bump all the other comics. And I mean, it was cool, but then some comics, it would start to get annoying. I wasn't to the point of, he wasn't bumping me cause I was such a new comic. Uh, but it was, but the guys that were working were like every night, dude, you're doing four hours. Like we all need to get on stage and the comics would get paid, but they just wouldn't perform. And so it was, it was a mix of like cool and, but then becoming not cool, whatever. And so, and he was not being a jerk about it. It's like, that's the deal, man. He got that famous. He gets to do that. That's the best. That's what you're, that's what you're trying to do. Right. I want to walk in and they go, you get to go up next. That's my goal. Yeah. I mean, I got bumped by everybody. I mean, I got bumped. Louis C.K. bumped me one night. Uh, I was at. I was I was running my Tonight Show set actually. This wasn't even too. This was when Louis C.K. hosted the SNL, and uh, I was running my Tonight Show set. And then Louis had to come in to run his SNL monologue. <laughs> so Louis went on first, and then I went on after. And so he bumped my Tonight Show is not as big as hosting <laughs> SNL. Uh, I remember Seinfeld coming in. I remember Seinfeld uh, bumping Gaffigan. Because your biggest fear when you'd be like, some nights you'd be running the show uh, at Boston. And I was like, what do I do when, you know, what if Chris Rock and Chappelle walk in to get, yeah. who do I say is going up? Who do you go? <laughs> All right, Rock, you're first. Chappelle, you're at. Like, I was terrified of like, who, like. Did that ever happened? Do you ever get that dilemma? Uh, no, but I learned it's, if it's never to that level, you would get it with. You'd get it with like the Bill Burr or Patrice O'Neill walk in together or something yeah. like that kind of level. But I, I learned that you just let them kind of decide. Ooh. So who wants to go first? And you just throw it to them and they could be like, I don't know, you go. Because it's you, you don't want to be ranking, but I thought you had to rank it. Because yeah. you would get to that level of you could have someone sitting in the back room or the back row and like he doesn't get to go on yet because it's like a guy that has no credits and you're like, well, this – guy walked in with two tv credits so he he gets to technically go before you so you would get to do that uh what was i talking about before that oh that was Chappelle thing yeah so when he bumped so the coolest thing i saw was uh Chappelle's on stage doing a long set right and he kind of bumps everybody and then david tell david tell is I, I think the funniest pound for pound the funniest comedian that's ever lived i would go pay to watch david tell he's the only comic i would go pay to go watch right now i would pay uh and I could go watch every show. I think he's unbelievable and super funny and just doing jokes. Like it's fun jokes, not yeah. this big thing. It's not a whole, it's not weighing you down. It's not like you got to go watch it. And it's like, great point. Like Bob, it's just straight up jokes. You're going to laugh. 
the entire time. And uh, so Attell walks downstairs and Dave Chappelle sees Attell. And Attell's very respected in New York. He's respected everywhere. Attell's the guy in New York. And Chappelle's on stage and he looks and sees Dave Attell just kind of in the back. And uh, Chappelle goes, oh, what's up, Dave? He's like, did you go on yet? And Attell goes, no. And Chappelle goes, all right, good night, everybody. Dave Attell. And wow. walked off. Because he was like, I'll bump everybody, but I can't. Even though Chappelle's more famous than Attell. Yeah. You can't bump a tail. That's so cool. And so you don't like that's that's, yeah, that's the like deal. the highest sign of respect ever. Is he just yeah. immediately got off stage wow. and just was like, all right. I saw you get bumped once by no he didn't. That is true. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Do you know the story? The comic no, no. great. I come back to Nashville. This is not that long ago. Nate's done multiple yeah. tonight show sets and he's maybe had- eight, like eight years ago. Has it been that long? I think so. But you were still you I've already done yeah, I've done Conan Tonight Show. I mean you're headlining I, clubs. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm you're headlining not a clubs. nobody at this point. I, right? I don't think I did. I didn't. I haven't done Netflix. That's it. Okay, but yeah, yeah but you're doing great. We go to uh, Spanky's, a bar here in Nashville, yeah. and open mic bar, open mic Tuesday you night. Smoke in, you yeah. still smoke cigarettes in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're on the. We sign up on the list. We wait. We're like twenty and number twenty and twenty one yeah. or whatever. Not getting, not getting moved up at all. No one's throwing me a favor, being like. <laughs> Yeah, he gets to he gets to go up whenever he wants to go up. So we just sit there, everyone, and we wait. Uh, I mean, I should wait, but he shouldn't. So Nate's waiting, and um, a little bit before it's time, Nate's turn. The host comes up and says, "Hey, uh, no, he didn't. Is uh, just dropped in, and uh, he's gonna go up before you. So we're gonna have to bump you." He got bumped. I mean, I got bumped. We got a spike. He goes no, by. He no, he then. didn't. Wow. What's funny is I texted, I was like texting with Mark Marin. Yeah. Who I'm friends with. I'm not trying to just say I'm doing this stuff. These are just, I've been in comedy for 17 years. So yeah. that was my friend. But it was funny too to be like, I'm texting with Marin. Like it's just, and I texted him. I said, I just got bumped by a guy called No, He Didn't. <laughs> and Marin loved it. Who was white, by the way. Yeah. No, stop. Yeah. Yeah. White comic by name, No, He Didn't. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's where the that's what the name means. But yeah. uh, I mean, you're talking about the greatest comedians in the world. That's the difference. Like you've been doing comedy 17 years. Mm-hmm. I've been doing about 13, 17 and a half. Not that big a difference in time wise, but I've spent my entire 13 years in Nashville, whereas you went Chicago, New York for nine, and mm-hmm. then L.A. Yeah. So that's that's. Brian was excited for no, he didn't. He was. Like, I was. Oh, man, I was actually. Is- I've done your length of comedy now, not here. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I was, I got it because yeah. I knew who no he didn't was. Star studded evening. Yeah, he, yeah, he walked over and goes, "Look, I know it's insane, but you don't know really who he is. Yeah. He's actually a pretty big deal." Yeah, he was big on the open mic. Scene. Open mic. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, I think now I get to go up. Well, if I go, it's because Spanky's closed. But yeah, that's really. <laughs> no, he didn't. not on the circuit yeah. as much as he used to be. Was eat. it no, he did it or Noah, he did it? Well, no, he did it. Yeah. It, I think he, it was a play on words. I think it. But it was Noah. Was I think yeah, it, but he, he didn't want his mom to come see him. Now, when you hear that, you're like, so he's 22. He's 50. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's 50 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't want his elderly mom because he can be a little raunchy right to yeah. like see the advertisement that he is performing which it's an open mic that is unadvertised and not not you know it wasn't like no he didn't was on the brochure the yeah. flyer and they're like 
Who's this Nate Bargetti guy? No, he didn't. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> it's great. I got bumped. Or one time I remember when I was running a Conan set. And so the deal was when you knew, needed to run a set for late night, you could just go to comedy clubs and go, hey, I just need five minutes. I gotta, I'm doing the Letterman tomorrow. And then every comedy club is like, yeah, obviously. And then they get to go up. That's the deal. That's the that's the that's the thing that you love about getting these late night sets is you get to go walk around and do that. So when I was first doing Conan in New York, uh, I I did that. I, I was, it was the second time I think, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go do like seven sets. I'm gonna, I was starting super early at like five p.m. at some open mic, and I go into the open mic. I was like, hey, I'm doing Conan. Uh, do you think I can go on? And the guy's like. Phew. He's like, yeah, you can go on at the end. You can just sign it, sign up last. And I was like, I was like, but I know, but I'm taping Conan O'Brien tomorrow. Like, so can I just, I'm trying to do a bunch of shows tonight. Can I try to go up? And the guy's like, yeah, at the end, at wow. 28, we're <laughs> at eight. And then, then I just had to leave and he wouldn't let me go up. Mm. And because uh, it's like that guy's world. It was like, I mean, I might as well have just been like, I'm doing I'm doing stand-up comedy on the moon. Mm -hmm. And he'd be like, all right, man, whatever. Just do at back of the line. Like it didn't, like it didn't register. Like nothing really meant to him. Yeah. I always liked it. I liked being told no, though. I thought it was very funny. Bill Burr had that at Haw. Uh, he talked about it on his podcast. There's a comedy club, I think called Haw in Times Square, where they go and they hand out these fires and they lie. They're telling you like Jerry Seinfeld's on the show, Dan Cook. They used to always say Dan Cook, like Bill Burr, yeah. and they and people are like, whoa. And then they go in, it's like some weird room upstairs yeah. and whatever. So they would always they say, I mean, they honestly say Burr is on the show, and Burr was in like New York this before the pandemic, and uh, went up there and was like, can I get on? And they were like, I mean, who are you know who are you? <laughs> and he's like, I mean, it's, I'm Bill Burr, and the guy I just don't think knew him is like, I mean, we're pretty booked tonight, and he's like. You know, like, Bur and Burr sold off the garden. Yeah. <laughs> You're using his name as, like, and he's like, all right. And then he just didn't, I don't think, got up. That's and he, crazy. Like, it's crazy. How do you That's not know? So he's funny. the guy. He's the main guy now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> read some of these other questions. All right. Uh, so, have you ever, did you ever consider quitting? Was there ever a time where you were like, I don't know. We had one conversation. I, I could even drive you to the spot where it's at. It was we're driving by, by our house where Laura said, how long would you do this? Mm -hmm. You know, if it wasn't going. And I just said, I was like, well, forever. Uh, but that, yeah, I never, I, I never really hit a spot where I thought I had to quit. Yeah. I never, you know, there was never a moment. Uh, you know, there's definitely frustrating times. I mean, there's been, I mean, plenty of frustrating times. Look, I always say people you, as a comic, you either make it at 20 or 40. Yeah. I don't think anybody makes it in the middle. You get a long road ahead of you, Aaron. Uh, Bates still got some time. <laughs> also never at 50. Uh, so he has I'm a done. two year window. Uh, <laughs> but you're, I, I honestly think if you really look at everybody's success, 20 to 40, that's when people make it. They either come out of the gate, get grabbed up, you're famous or you have to wait till you're 40 and you're Burr, Louie, you know, you're this, these guys that have been around for a long time. And, uh, so I, but I never hit that spot right quit. but there's definitely, I mean, it was a long road. I mean, you know, this Netflix stuff, you gotta think this is my first hour Netflix special that just happened two years ago. Mm -hmm. The first, and that's the, the Netflix specials and the standups, the half hour. Those are the things that 
pushed me to the next level to where I was selling, being able to start selling out some theaters and start doing some bigger shows. Uh, but it's been a great, it's been 17 years. The tonight shows all added up. It's being around. I was around. That's, that's what you got to do. You got to be around. You got to be popping up. You always want, I remember at comedy clubs, you wanted to be the guy you want to first, you start headlining and you know, I mean, you got to realize people, no one has a bunch of people, comics. When you first start headlining, you can be at $1,500, maybe 1200 usually for the weekend that guy gets from for Thursday to Sunday, 1200. And a lot of times, you know, there's like either a comedy condo that they could stay in or sometimes they have to pay for their own travel, their flight for sure. Uh, so, I mean, you're making no money like doing this, but I mean, it's a lot of money at that time. You're like, ah, I'm making $1,200. That's crazy for a gig. Uh, and so you're doing those shows and you're, you're, you're a guy and you're, you're just a guy there that weekend. No one's coming to see you. And then you eventually want to be the guy where they're like, when someone calls the comedy club and they're like, Oh, this guy's there. And they're like, Oh, you know what? I think I've heard of that guy. Cause you know how many times if you called a comedy club, you're like, no, nah, I remember that he's the guy. Remember we were watching it at like, mm-hmm. you want to, they don't really know you, yeah, but they do. They're like, I've seen you're at least in the atmosphere. And that's what you're trying to eventually get to that. So then you get to where you're selling out the whole weekend to then theaters. And now people are there to see you. And so, but like, look, that's still, I still got a long way to go, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's been a, I mean, it's been, yeah, it's a long, it's a long grind. It's a waiting game. What's some like milestones in your career where you're like, you know what, this is, this is a next step. This is where I should be going. This is huge. I bought a watch for most of them. So uh, I've always done that. And uh, the watch gets better. With the <laughs> mouse. Uh, I uh, I would say, I mean, first one was to the, the CMT was big, yeah. but Conan getting the late night that year, two thousand eight was my first was my first big year. I did uh, uh, Conan live at Gotham on Comedy Central and Montreal Comedy Festival New Faces, and so that was a huge year for me. That was the first like wow, like it was like you thought. I, I mean, I thought I made it. Yeah. And what's funny is like, no one realizes too, like when you get to that point, you then go back to like your, I had like a day job. Mm-hmm. I, like, you know, you just do that stuff and then you go, you're not making any money. I mean, you made maybe, honestly, maybe $2,000 <laughs> like out of those two <laughs> TV things. And then the, the, uh, doing the just for laughs, Montreal cost me money. I had to pay for the, something like all the, like I didn't get any money there. Uh, so 2008 was the first good, good thing. And then I think when I did the hour of the Comedy Central special was a big deal. Uh, and I bought uh, like a watch, like a thousand dollar watch or something. It was like crazy. Like that, you know, but it was like insane mm-hmm. to buy something like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that. And uh, the, but that was like, I bought it for that moment. Like to be like, yeah, I like to wear it on what I'm doing. And then it's also like a watch is a good thing that sits and like, it's a reminder of like, that was my full-time magic. That was my comedy special. So that was, that was a big, a big career moment for me. I mean, doing all those tonight shows were big, but then I would say, you know, the standups and then the last special were, you know, those are the big kind of leaps where, you know, you, you, you did stuff. I think this podcast is setting me back to be honest, but <laughs> Uh, so this is the downfall to my, 
<laughs> Jump the shark. Yeah, yeah. take away a watch. I, I remember when you did Bonnaroo. That was like a big yes. thing. Yeah. So the cool events I've done. I mean, like we have a lot of them are po- are in here. But uh, yeah, doing. I mean, I mean, the cool stuff is like Bonnaroo was gigantic. Being able to do Bonnaroo and being being in that group because mm-hmm. you're trying to get to be like I'm a cool. I'm cool. I did Bonnaroo 2000. Eminem uh, was the headliner the year I did it. Uh, they misspelled my name on uh, all the stuff I have from it. My name's mis- misspelled. Uh, and maybe some of it's not because someone, they caught it, but half of it is. <laughs> uh, so Bonnaroo was big. You know, I mean, the cool, like opening for Chris Rock. You know, when I when Fallon, when I, when Fallon saw me, when I did the, the late night, show so when i the first time i met fallon fallon was at the at the stand i was performing i haven't told this story right on mm-hmm. so the first how i met fallon is i feel like we're just dragging on is it is this all good i, I think it's so into it. it's very yeah. interesting okay. yeah uh so the first time how i met fallon how i got into the, the relationship with him we were i was funny we moved i just moved to new york 2012 i mean moved to la so i talked about that quote Anytime you start feeling comfortable, it's time to make a change. Mm-hmm. That, that was about when I read the quote. That's when I moved to LA. I was feeling comfortable in New York and I wanted to change it up and put myself in a different scene. Uh, so I moved to LA. So then I came back to New York because I was doing, you'd always do New Year's Eve shows in New York. And uh, so this was going to be the last year I go to do New Year's Eve shows. And usually you'd perform at like Caroline's. Caroline's was awesome to perform at New Year's Eve because you'd get to perform. And then right before the ball drops, I mean, honestly, two minutes before that ball drops, we just walk out on Times Square and watch the ball drop and then go back downstairs. So if it was freezing outside, you would just be like, hey, it's dropping in 40 seconds. And you go, okay. And you walk out. You're like, oh, there it goes. And then, So I've watched the ball drop. And everybody else in Times Square is just stuck out there. They've been right? out there yeah. for Crammed 12 hours. Sardines. Yeah, at least. And then, but you would, but a, if you ever, a little fun thing, if you ever want to go see the ball drop, I think they still obviously go do it where they, uh, but go to Caroline's. You get to watch a comedy show, go to the late show, and you get to watch the comedy show, and then they walk you upstairs. I'd make sure, call them, make sure that. I'm pretty sure they <laughs> do. It wasn't just a comic thing, but then you can walk up, and that way you're not stuck in that whole uh, that whole nonsense where you're waiting, you know. Uh, so anyway, so I go back for New Year's Eve, and I was going to be doing a show on the 30th somewhere, or December 30th, I was going to be doing a show in like – uh, Massachusetts, and there was a massive snowstorm. So the show gets canceled. I shouldn't even be there. So now I'm there. Uh, I go. I used to do a podcast with Giannis Papas and Chris Laker. It could be better. And what's funny enough, that's funny to talk about it now. Uh, so this is 2012, we do doing this podcast. Uh, and I go, I'm like, look, we need to record a final episode. I was like, we never recorded a final episode. We just stopped doing it. And so I was like, so we're going to go to the stand. I'm not doing this show now. We're going to do this final episode. So we go and we're going to record this final episode. We all come down there. Uh, no one's, I'm doing that show later on. Uh, we're down in the showroom. So we get done doing it. And then Fallon just walks in and the show's not started. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm on stage. Like, just Never talk- met him. Never met him. And I'm on stage talking in the microphone and uh, just talking to Laker and Giannis like this, where we're all making fun of each other. Yeah. And then uh, Fallon walks in. I just remember like looking up and I was like, what's up, man? You know, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And like, you know, like, and then seeing Laker and we're all like, that's, you know, and he's like, hey, uh, he like lived in the neighborhood at the time or something. And he's like, I just wanted to, I heard about this club. I wanted to come check it out. And I'm like, 
yeah, it's cool, man. And uh, so we just, we sat and, uh, in the back and like he had a beer and like, you know, we, I think we just had a beer and talked and he knew Nashville Zanies. He knew Dorfman mm-hmm. and Zanies. And so I told him I was from Nashville. I just moved to LA and, uh, you know, we just kind of talked until the show started and he was like, I'm gonna watch some of the show. And he's hosting late night with the fountain, you know, and, uh, he's a comic and he didn't want to go up or anything. So everybody kind of goes up now cause Fallon's in the crowd. Giannis gets, uh, yeah. like everybody wants to go up now. And so, and he stayed. And then, so I went on. And we all know he's there. So obviously, since we know he's there, we are bringing it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I am doing my best of my best. Uh, Old, none of it matters. I'm not trying a new joke. I am trying to murder. And so I get off stage and uh, we just see him leave. I didn't talk to him. He just leaves. Uh, And I was like, all right. And but I knew, I know he watched me. Like, you know, we're asking, like, did he watch me? And we're like, yeah. And then it's so funny, the, the guy uh, after uh, Anthony Zinhauser, uh, it's a comic, my buddy Anthony. But we always made, uh, I would always make fun of him. It's very mean. But he performed, you know, as if Fallon was in the crowd with his heart out and Fallon just gone. <laughs> like, oh. I know. But he had no idea. It's just so funny. <laughs> I mean, I've done, I've been in those situations too. You don't know. And I mean, but it's just so funny to be like, how was it? And it's like, he left. <laughs> like, uh, so he, we, uh, we get, he gets, so Fallon gets done. <clears throat> he leaves. Don't hear from him, whatever. I moved to LA, uh, met Fallon. I was like, that's cool. I do Conan in LA. Get done doing Conan. Next day, uh fallon called my agent at the time manager at the time and then uh was like he wanted me to ask me to do the late night he's like you want to do uh we want to offer you a date for late night and it was the first time i ever got the date before they saw the set wow so i remember that like being like i've never been i could always get on these sets i mean i was always going to get approved with being clean i maybe i can't say walmart or starbucks or something mm-hmm. but uh i was the first one i ever got the offer just being like hey just do a set and uh, we'll give you, here's the date we want you to do. And then just send us your set when you're ready, which is the, where I'm at now with the tight show, which is very, I'm still, and now I never get over it. I never, it never is past, you know, I think about it every time that it's insane that I can get a date. Uh, I mean, I can almost tell them when I want to do it, but I can get a date without doing it. I it's, it blows me away because how much you have to go through to get a late night set to do all of this stuff. And it's, it's, I mean, I, it, none of it's ever lost on me. And I truly, truly think about it every single time. And it means the, and it mean it, it's, it's, it, that would be a milestone and mm-hmm. a huge achievement for me to be able to do this without having to jump through the, I mean, that's, and I, and I think about it every, every, every time I do it. That's awesome. So he, uh, they asked me to say, I just did Conan and there's a rule that you can't, you got to be three months. You can't do a, another late night. It's not a rule. Is this because but of your managers? No, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they, they, yeah, that's what they called me. And they go, told you there is a rule. Uh, no, but they, they don't want you to do another show, have done another show. Okay. And I think it might be six months, but maybe it was three at the yeah. time. On a different network? It should, that, and yeah. it's, not, it's not a uh, like a – Viacom or like some NBC rule. It's mm-hmm. just the, you're like, you just did a late night set. We're not going to have you because you yeah. just did it. Yeah. Like I never did Kimmel. I was supposed, I got asked to do Kimmel 
And the day I got asked to do Kimball, or that they wanted me to do Kimball, I did Conan. And so then that relationship kind of just went away, and I never did. So now I'm a, I'm a Tonight Show guy. So, like, I that you do switch over into, like, I'm just doing the Tonight Show. I'm not doing anybody else. Like, I just do him. Why would I go anywhere else? Uh, and I, that's once I started doing with Fountain, like, this moment was, like, when I was kind of, like, I asked one time about doing Conan. I was like, oh, Conan wants me to do something. And they were like, I mean, you know, I think they gave me another set. They were like, just do another one with us. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. Like, it's it's a cool uh, – Ray Romano had that with Letterman. Uh, when Leno was going to be done with The Tonight Show and Ray was going to go on Letterman, he went to uh, – he went to the uh, – he wanted to go. It was Leno's, like, one of his last shows. And so – he asked the guy that produced, and Ray Romano, everybody loves Raymond. If people don't know, Dave Letterman produced Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's how they that's how they got together. Is Ray did the show, Dave Letterman made that sitcom, and then they got on it. So he always could only do Letterman because it's like, that's the deal. And oh, he would want to. I mean, but when tonight, when Jay Leno was retiring, Everybody Loves Raymond's been off the air a few years. He, uh, Asked the producer, he's like, "Hey, you think Dave Letterman will care if I go do Tonight Show? I mean, I'm friends with Jay. Like, you know, it's his final show. Do care if I go?" And uh, the producer went to Ray and said, uh, "You can do whatever you want, you know, but I will tell you that it will break his heart." Mm. Wow. And so uh, the producer said that. So it's not like yeah, I don't know, yeah. if, but right. the producer said, "My opinion is that you can do whatever you <laughs> want, but it will break his heart." Wow. And then Ray's like, "I mean, I can't." Yeah. You know, I can't do that then. Uh, so there's you, there's a mix of, you know, we have that where you're like, you just be loyal to your guys. Anyway, so anyway, so I'm Ray, I get asked to do that show. I go, Fallon also, first day they call and ask me to do late show with Fallon. The next day they call and they say they want to talk to me about producing a sitcom. So this is my first time ever being in that world. And so he wanted to do like Letterman, uh, where it's like we make like an everybody loves Raymond. Obviously, mine have never gone. This was eight years ago. We did it twice. They never went anywhere. But the night when they they he was going to come watch me perform, I fly to New York. I'm performing at Gotham Comedy Club, and uh, he was going to come watch me perform. They're like, "Let me watch him again. I've only seen him once. Let me make sure this guy is good." Uh, so it that was. I remember going to the comedy club. It was uh, like a comedy juice. If you ever go do shows in New York or L.A. or if you watch shows, is they do these shows, comedy juice, and they're all, they're notoriously known as amazing shows. And they're both at the improv. And then I think the, I think still the Gotham. And, uh, so I was doing that show and they were, I remember going in there and they're like, when do you want to go? Cause Fallon was coming down to watch. So it was like, everybody's kind of like, and everybody's like tense. Everybody's like, you know, it's, and so, uh, they're like, ask me to go up. I went up, I think, the host won first comic than me because we didn't want to. I, I figured as I can't make him stay the whole time. Yeah, that's a good spot, and it's show. a good spot yeah. on a show. Yeah. Host goes up, have one comic go up, and then I get to go up. And I, do, I was going to do like fifteen minutes, and I was I, go, I went up, and that was probably the uh, and one of the bigger shows of my career as far as not a special or something, but as far as who's what's what's kind of at stake. Yeah. and uh, so I went up and did the set. And I remember, I always say it was like the set went so good. It was as if the audience knew how important it was for me. Uh, that's like awesome. they, it, it went unbelievable. And I mean, <laughs> I murdered, like it was just, boom. I mean, just unreal. And then, so then we went and hung out after. And then, uh, you know, that's where that relationship began. 
It's been a lot of rambling. No, that's all right. That's not rambling at all. Let me ask you. I mean, you're very new into comedy. For, what four or five years? Yeah. What's the like a milestone that you? Uh, first time hosting at a club. Yep. First time featuring at a club and then yep. first time headlining. And I remember all those. Oh yeah. And I felt that that was a significant step. They are, you know, they are They're yeah. gigantic. Yeah. You got to do the grand old Opry. Yeah. Doing the Opry. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. I, that probably didn't even register at the time. How cool of a, a rare of a thing that was, but yeah. looking back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How about you, you got, uh, the first time, no, he didn't knew my name. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that was a big thing. I bet y'all should have opened with y'all stories. They should have done y'all's first. That's just, I'm not, I'm not trying to make, it's funny to be like, I mean, I'm like, and that's what I'm at Fountain. You're like, Brian, Aaron, go ahead. You're like, well, I MC'd at a club. <laughs> what, our uh, milestones? Yeah, I mean, like, we should have done them in a reverse order. I know. I know. But go through yours, Bates. I'd love to hear them. Uh, <laughs> Quinn Channel 5. You said that very sarcastically. Yeah. Go through yours, Bates. I'd love Let's to hear them. Let's go through them. We got time. It'll be yeah. real quick. Uh, uh, go ahead. It's uh that that was very mean. Sorry. No, I mean I don't Let's I don't speed through them. Though. You're right. I don't want to go through them after yours because it does sound. Just <laughs> I'm joking. Ridiculous. I mean, I'm not talking about mine. It was just very. Yeah. I I can see the comedy of it. I just went on this long thing. <laughs> yeah. And then you just throw Aaron. You're like Aaron. Go ahead. What's yours, Aaron? And he's like, I mean, I emceed, featured, and hosted. Well, you probably remember those same moments too, right? Those are huge moments. Yeah. I'm not saying those are those are yeah. big. Those are uh, moments to have. Those are yeah. gigantic moments. I remember. My first emceeing was at Zany's in Chicago, yeah. uh, with piano on stage. First time featuring, uh, I think, was for Angela Johnson on the road. Ooh. I remember doing those. It was the first time getting to do the first time really going to clubs on the road, and then headlining. One was Montreal, and I went back to the, uh, I think the place, uh, comedy. It's like maybe it's Comedy Works, but it's not that Comedy Works. But it's in Montreal, and the guy. And my Dan Shackey opened for me, and I, mean, I barely had enough time to do headlining. I bombed super hard, and it was real. And it got, and the audience could tell it was like sad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just went, and I was like, I, I can't. I was like, I, I shouldn't be headlining. I, I can't. I don't have enough time. I can't talk for this long. And I mean that I've seen that guy. I want to say JB or something like that. I've seen him recently, <laughs> like. And he still talks about it. He's like, I was like, dude, I bombed so hard that first week. And he's like, I know. It was real bad. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, Sha I mean, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Just Shacky would destroy. Mm. And I just couldn't, I just didn't have enough time. You know, it was it was almost like it was too soon. Mm -hmm. It was too, you know. Yeah. But yours quitting working was a big deal. Yeah, what, yeah, that's true. When I got to the point where I... Day job status, when your day jobs get to go away, that's a gigantic deal in comedy. Yeah. Um, when I quit my job and could go full-time, that was obviously a big... We were talking about that downstairs before the show mm. because the next day you and I went on the road to Louisville Yeah, and did shows together. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was a that was a big one for sure. I mean, I remember the same things, hosting, first time at Zany's, featuring first time at Zany's, headlining, all that. I remember I did a show with uh, Henry Cho and then afterwards we went out to eat like group of us and i was like man this is a big deal like you know yeah um you know hanging out with this legendary comedian and right and uh i just remember thinking wow this is i'm happening i'm doing it yeah yeah dude. i'm doing it when you feel like you're in it you're you know when i was at the cellar when you're hanging at when i got past that back and i got passed at the club which past means you were accepted and you can perform there 
and I got to sit at that back table, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to sit back there. Is sitting at that table for the first time a big moment, I bet. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, getting to go there. I mean, it's funny to get to go there now, too. And, like, now when I go, I mean, they I can go. I mean, I let them know. I, I always say I'm coming. I'm not. I'm definitely not Burr like, or Chappelle. Like, I can't walk in, and I go next. You wouldn't do a three-hour set there? No, I've no, no, not, I'm not, uh, but like I, when I text them before I come that week and I'm like, Hey, I'm coming in town and I usually can get spots. I mean, the seller's uh, the best. I mean, you know, and, uh, so it's being able to get to that table, you know, I mean, you would not sit at it. I mean, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a, it's, it's an enormous, enormous deal that I took very seriously. I would never, I would never want to sit at it like before it was like, nah, I can't like, you know, cause you wanted, that was, it was what you wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't move when I left New York. I, my thing was I wanted to be get past at every club, and uh, the comic strip was the last one. First one I auditioned for too. First one I auditioned for, and the last one I got past at. And I got past at it honestly, maybe six months to a year before I left. Yeah. Part of it, I I, I kind of was getting on stage, so I didn't always go try. But it was at the end. I was like, well, I want to be able to say I, I've played every club. And uh, and I was passed at every club, and that was the last one. Yeah. Let's get to a topic that I can hang with you on bombing. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about f- some of our best bombing yeah. moments, either us or friends. Yeah, like what's a good one for you? Uh, it goes. How what is it? Um, what are we at? I think we're at about a minute forty-five. Yeah, I mean hour forty-five. Hour excuse 45. me. All right. What? How many? Because this might be a two-parter. Okay. I think we could do a two-parter on this. Yeah. What are we at? Well, as we far got as a questions? lot more questions. Yeah, right? yeah a lot more. All yeah, right. I think it's enough. I think it's. I think. We're, yeah, I want to try this. We're going to try two part. We can do the bombing. We're going to end on this bombing stories, and then uh, I think we're going to roll into. Uh, I want to try a two parter. Okay. It does. I don't want to do two and a half hours. You want to save the bombing? Should we? Why don't we save the bombing? Let's save the bombing. Okay. And, yeah, because uh, we got a good run. Yeah, this will this will be a. I think bombing we could talk about for a while. Yeah, bombing's great because I love bombing. And uh, there's been a bunch of them. So what's uh, um, where do you, where do you think comedy's headed now, or what's some like next steps? You yeah. Think? So yeah, the, uh, I think uh, this, I'm pretty excited about this two parter. Yeah. Yeah. And then if people want to get questions in, this is going to be the Who Shot Jr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I have a seizure later today. <laughs> yeah. Which I've been seeing stuff in the corners of my eye. It could be humping up. I looked that up. Could be what? You, you Sometimes when you turn, floaters? I'll see either two lines or like uh, some flashes. Sometimes there's a, I read some of migraines. Yeah. But my head doesn't hurt. I'm sure everybody will tell me what it is next week. Uh, <laughs> It'll be but, in the comments. Uh, I don't know. It's like, I see a red dot. They're like, no, nah, it's Brian's nose every time he looks at it. <laughs> you know, everybody told us they were like, someone they're like, how did you not bring it up? I never noticed. Did you know, like, when your nose was red that one time? Wait a minute. So your sure. friends I'm are just gonna... telling you, like, how in the world did you not talk about that? They... Why would I bring that up about a friend on a podcast? Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. I don't know. So he doesn't get trashed in front of everybody. Uh, I never noticed that stuff. Yeah. I'm, well, you're uh, around me a lot, so I think it's just the norm. Yeah. I, I was like, I didn't. I mean, my, Abigail, my sister, was like, how do you not bring that up? It was like, so distracting. She just was like, I can't believe that you didn't. See. And I was like, oh, well, I you, don't Abby. know. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, it never crossed my mind. Uh, anyway, I don't know where it's just saying. Well, I'm talking about uh, where comedy's headed or what's Okay, the- where comedy's headed. 
I think, as I said, I think comedy is, is, is becoming a lot more mainstream. When I first started, when I was in New York City, starting for the first time, the system how you came up through that through New York was to go to the comedy clubs. You would do the comedy clubs and you would want to get past the comedy seller, you know, Gotham, Stan, all the ones I've named, Caroline's Comic Strip, Rod Dangerfield's. Uh, and you'd want to go and you stand, you want to go do all of them and you'd want to be past at all those clubs. And you could go do other shows, but there wasn't a ton of other shows. I would, there was a show called Rafifi, and that was a big, like, kind of alternative show. Like, I remember Zach Galifianakis was there. I have an email from John Mulaney. John Mulaney used to book that show. And Nick Kroll, would, Nick Kroll mm-hmm. uh, hosted it. And, uh, and so there, it was like, that was like the only alternative show that you could it's do outside in of crashing, I'm pretty sure. It's Rafifi. Yeah. 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 And so that's the only show that you would do uh, that's, that was outside of comedy clubs. And then those shows started popping up, those alt shows, mm-hmm. kind of whatever, where you'd have to do comedy clubs. So after, you know, I was in New York for four or five, six years, then like, I mean, people were able to do shows where you're like, oh, I don't even have to go to a comedy club. I mean, there's bars everywhere doing shows and everybody's running shows. And so then that just started spreading it out. So I think comedy, I think stand-up, and I don't know, maybe the audience, it'd be interesting to hear what some audience got members, uh, what they think, like how, like just be like how super aware are you of comedy of stand up comedy to how not aware, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know that there's openers? Do you know that there's any, I would be, I would actually be very curious to see what, uh, some audience thinks of that stuff. How much do they know, you know, how much are they tracking? How many comics yeah. do they know outside of me? If you know me, do you know Mike Rabiglia, Gaffigan? Right. Do you know Bird? Do you know uh, Dan Soder? Do you know, like, you know, I got a mix of people that are going to know me that, you know, like a lot of people that know Seinfeld and Gaffigan are not going to know. They won't know me. Like they might, you know, I'm some, those are your massive guys. Yeah. That's your Walmart. That's your, they, they, they know who they are. Right. Versus, you know, if you get to know, if you know me, a lot of times it's like you will know a lot of comics because mm-hmm. you're, that means you're into comedy yeah. is the fact that you're not, you're, you know, what's your word? Zeitgeist? Yeah. Is that the word? Zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not, isn't that, is that the proper way to use it? I kind of forgot how you used well, it. It's in your not. peripheral. It's, it's yes. things you know. Yeah. Yes. So I think now stand up is starting to become. Uh, with Netflix and people are wanting to watch it. I mean, most people didn't watch comedy at all. And I think now they're watching comedy. I think they're now checking it out and it's, uh, it's very more attainable. You got these podcasts, a lot more people talking a lot more, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would think that, uh, I I mean, I think comedy's in another boom right now. You know, I mean, I mean, this pandemic kind of crushed it, but I think comedy's in a, a pretty big boom. Uh, I think it's, you know, a gigantic uh, upswing. It's a good thing. I remember it being down. You know, it's funny. I remember like 2008 when uh, the bank stuff happened and mm-hmm. the economy was bad. I remember comedy being great, which was very funny to think. I remember people needed to laugh. And so I remember shows being really good <laughs> there in 2008 because people just wanted to. Yeah. They needed a break. And I mean, I think you're probably into that stuff now where it's like the world is heavy. It's deep. It's a lot of stuff. And so you people need a breaks and they need to be like, you know, that's why, again, that's why Friends and Seinfeld and all, that's why those shows are getting just devoured. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are like, I need 
a separate. I mean, Escape. it is seeping into every form of entertainment I watch. Yeah, has this nonsense of just the world falling apart. Yeah, not that's that's not nonsense, but you know the world. So it's like everybody's like, well, I need to say it and all this, and so I think comedy now is like that old stuff's getting looked up quick. You know, because people need stuff. They need mm-hmm. to be, you know. So I think comedy's in a great place. I mean, would you agree? Would you? Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. And I think you're right. I think uh, I think the world needs comedy now more than ever, and the mm-hmm. people are kind of seeking it out. Yeah. Yeah, stand-up, I think, is yeah. better than it's obviously ever been. Do you think stand-up ever gets like music? Does it ever get? In what way? No. I mean. No. Oh, you mean as big as music? Yeah. I don't. No. Yeah, it just can't. No. Because it's not passive entertainment; it's active entertainment. Yeah. It's key. there's no background comedy. Yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah, I have a lot of people say they listen to my comedy to sleep at night. <laughs> uh, so I've got very passive comedy. So you want to save these world records? They're kind of yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's uh, yeah, because we're going to be able to do another hour oh, and a yeah. half on this. So let's easily let's, let's just save it. We've done a long one, and All I, right. I want to do a part two. We're going to do comedy part two. Obviously, this is our forte. Will Forte wow. met him once. Uh, <laughs> met him after a show once. He saw me at uh, where was it? What's the other alt show that the big awesome show that was in New York? Knitting Factory. Uh, no, uh, before that, uh, man, to get on it was huge. Uh, we'll find Whiplash. out in part two. Oh, okay, Whiplash. And Will Forte was uh, if you did Whiplash, it was unbelievable, uh, and it was just a, a huge deal to get to do it, and. Uh, I remember we did. I did a show with Bob Odenkirk. Was there? Oh wow! And then uh, Louis, uh, Louis C.K. I know I mentioned. I know people. You know whatever. But this was like then Louis was doing. And I mean, that's the first time Louis talked to me. Like he was very nice to me. Watched my set and then like was like, "You should. We've tried this." I was doing a tonight show again. I was like running it, and he's like, "You trying this and try it this way?" Like actually talked to me about the structure of oh, jokes and that's fun. awesome. And. Uh, but uh, yeah, Will, Will Forte was at their show once, and I, and like I wasn't thinking, and then right now, right, I got done. He like came up and was like, "Man, that was an awesome set." I was like, "I appreciate it, man." And I like patted on the back and just kind of kept walking. Like, <laughs> and then uh, like two blocks later, someone's like, "Hey, you know that was Will Forte?" And I was like, "Was it?" Like, you know, I was like, "Should I go talk to him again?" And they're like, "It's over now." Oh, you dude. didn't know who it was? No, I didn't. Th- I mean, it was yeah. I didn't think about it. It's not Will Forte is like. A, regular guy like yeah yeah looks like a regular guy it's not like it's it's and you're just in the mindset of like i appreciate it thanks man thank you yeah Yeah, you're walking through the crowd like where everybody's going great job great job thank you thank you he's like hey grace says i appreciate it thanks for coming out dude i go thanks for coming out dude make sure you tip the weight staff and stuff (laughs) you know uh and then just leave and someone's like that's cool for today's like was it (laughs) like uh, never talked to him never haven't spoke to him since then him and jerry seinfeld uh Uh, all right, so yeah, part two. That's that's fun. I'm yeah. excited about yeah. part two. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you have any comedy questions that we did not answer, this is what's great. You need to send them in now. You can. Uh, so maybe we will be able to get to them, uh, and we have a lot more stuff uh, to talk about. But uh, again, as always, thank you guys uh, for listening. Always remember, none of this is lost on us. We truly appreciate it. All the ratings, all the stuff that you're helping us get as we move up in this. Uh, podcast uh world and uh since uh live uh, comedy's dead comedy's since it's dead mm. uh so you know you're uh we love you all thank you very much and uh we'll see you next week
Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Nate Land Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast. And please remember to leave us a rating or a comment. Nate Land is produced by me, Nate Bargetzi, and my wife, Laura, on the All Things Comedy Network. Recording and editing for the show is done by Genovations Consulting in partnership with Center Street Media. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to catch us next week on the Nate Land Podcast. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit